Howard from the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage in, in the Entrail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 98 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we have our 11th installment of the album Archaeology series as we talk about Phil Collins' record, No Jacket Required. And as always, Primetime Jukebox, sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Maduro. Nicaragua Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrels wrappers with thick high priming vinyl and filled tobaccos because these blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Promo Scars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agriculture facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Promo's highly claimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Aids 12-year vintage, the Perdomo 20th anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Aids. Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars, Cuba was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and Husso brought their very own brand to market and each contained the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela, and each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And of course, when I mentioned Tobacco USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. And finally, we want to mention Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic, Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your local Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of shows, as well as for the California studios for our Thursday Primetime show, Sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 98. We are into a late May 2023 edition. This is Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage. And I'm joined by my good friend down under in Australia, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. It's cold here today. 
40 degrees Fahrenheit. Yep. It's, uh, you know, we're getting to the dead. The winter's going to start for you next month, actually, down there, right? Yeah, I got the, uh, I got the winter hat on, got the fleece. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's cold. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I'm on the opposite. I actually, uh, it was hot here today. I had the AC running in, in the studio here today. Oh, look at you. See, once yeah. the sun comes up, it'll probably jump up to like 70, but. Yeah, but, you know, it's. Not now. That's how it is in North Carolina in like November for us, right? And December is you could have like a it's November more so you could have like a sixty five to seventy degree day in, in um the daytime, but at night it really it, we cool down tremendously uh, under forty degrees sometimes that time of the year. Mm. So I'm kind of putting this six months ahead for us, which is probably your equivalent there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I'm very excited for the show. Very excited. It's an album we talk about a lot. Yeah, it, really... it is. It, it is. Um, and there's a lot. Uh, you know, I'll get into this as with you. Um, I think this is gonna be a different show, than, Dave, for an album archaeology. Um, mm. because we may not be on the same page about this album, which is great. <laughs> no, I think no. that's great. That's not a bad thing, at all. Uh, I'm hoping this chair doesn't collapse here. Just so you know. Oh no! Don't collapse. No, but it, the uh, it may collapse in the middle of the show. Just so you know. Oh, it, do you need a do you need a new, do you need a chair switch? I'm gonna do. I am actually gonna do chair switch. So I am gonna pause this for one second here. <laughs> all right. So we did a chair switch here. Um, and Dave actually <laughs> saw the damage to this. I'm 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 not that fat, but boy, that chair just literally I felt it sinking as we were talking. That's not good. <laughs> It's not good. I showed Dave the damage. It wasn't going to make it through the show, I can tell you that. But uh, but we were talking about this album. It's a little different in that we probably have, uh, have different opinions on this album. But I think it's also really good that we can bring both sides of, of this oh. uh, today. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know. It's extremely interesting, this album. And yep. it's uh, Legacy. Yep. Um, yeah, go ahead, Coop. Yeah, no, it's a, you know, like I said, it's a, um, I'll just say this, okay? We were talking about doing this, we talked about doing a show early in the week, and a lot of times we just kind of feel, hey, we have a bunch of topics in the queue, and Dave, and I said, let's do either an artist thing or an album archaeology, and so Dave gives me a list of stuff, and I see Phil Collins is on the list. I said, all right, I'm going to see if he wants to do Phil Collins, right? Let me just put it yeah. out there. He, of course, he can say, nah, I don't want to do it. I want to do, uh, you know, Beyonce, right? No, he didn't do that. He said, let's do, he goes, let's do Phil Collins. I'm like, all right. Because I, I actually, I was really, because this album in particular, I'm like, this is not a Dave album. I'm going to be honest no. with you, okay? Be very honest. But I'm sure you have, you, there's things you're going to say about this, uh, positive and negative. So, I mean, so what I wanted to see if we, I love getting you out of the comfort zone a bit with that. So that's why I kind of picked that. Oh, no. Like I said, or we'll get to it in history, but <clears throat> what's interesting about this album is it sort of is at this crossroads in music and how you view it. Totally. Totally. It's really dependent on like how yeah. old you were when it was released. Yep. And I think this is, has a lot to do with why we have different opinions on this. Yeah. I, I think and, it and absolutely it, has yeah. that. Yeah. But I think, too, like, it's it's currently, like, a lot of albums from that time is being reevaluated, I think, now. And, and you know, we've seen stuff happen like this. Like, you yeah. know, you go with the Bee Gees, like, in yeah. the 70s. They went through that period of exactly that reevaluation. It, a, lot it, of that, it, a lot of that disco did, didn't it? I a mean, lot really of it did, did, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know... We we've seen it happen now. You know we've seen it happen with the '80s music as well. And and yeah. you're yeah. right, it was a big change after this album happened, which I, I'll kind of get to towards the end as well. 
Um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit less off the top here because we have a lot to talk about with the, yes, the no yes, jacket so we'll, required record. Exactly. So, so we'll kind of get into a lot more of that. Yeah. Um, just remember the email if you have an artist or record you want us to do, email us at scratchybox at gmail.com. Yep. Send Absolutely. an email through. Yep, please um, do. Yeah. Now music news. There's just some music news. So uh, we have the death of Andy Rourke, who was the basis of the Sims of the Smiths. Yes. Which that happened oh like yesterday. Like maybe yesterday, two days ago. I, I haven't heard from Hector on this either. And I have to message him on it still. Because it kinda I was in the middle of other stuff when I actually saw this. So it's quite new. Um yeah. he died of cancer, which he's had for a little while. Right. Uh Basis to the Smiths, I mean, it's probably, I mean, as people know, the, the band sort of formed around Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Uh, they had a couple, they had like two bassists, like really early. Like I'm talking, right? Uh, maybe even before they put out a record. Uh, and they didn't really work. And then Andy was a f- school friend of Johnny Marr, like since they were like 10 or something. And so he came on and he stuck. And he also, when the band broke up, he also did some solo work from Morrissey, which Morrissey on his Twitter has a nice sort of uh, uh, paying respects to Andy. Um, yep. So he did some work with Morrissey, also did some work with Sinead O'Connor, did some work with the Cranberries, did production. Like, he was still quite involved in music. Um, but yeah, kind of part of that original... I mean, I would say... Uh, I mean, I know they had a couple of bases before him, but they didn't really... I mean, they were very short-lived. Yeah. So I I would say him and Mar and and um Morrissey were really driving uh the formation of the band and where the band was gonna go and their sound and, and all of that. So um yeah, so uh yeah, sad days. Yeah, like I said, he was I mean he was only fifty nine. Yeah, very well, you know, and, and you know, the Morrissey, obviously Morrissey with the Smiths, uh Sinead yeah. O'Connor, they were kind of yeah. all in that same Part of that Brit, Brit, yeah, not quite a Brit invasion group is what I'll say. No, it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, what I'm kind of getting they, they, those British musicians, yeah, yeah, it's like that British sort of like indie kind of vibe, yeah, they all a, have a similar vibe, exactly, yeah, e- exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, even though like Snade's uh, Irish obviously, but they all had that same kind of like that kind of vibe, so he fit well with all of them, really, yep. Um, so the songs I picked, This Charming Man, it's a great, great song. song. Yep. And then uh, There's a Light That Never Goes Out, which is probably their most well-known song. Um, But uh, but yeah, so I mean, I guess because they both uh, are good examples of his work. And yeah, so Andy Rourke passing away, I guess, I think it was like the 19th. So I think it was like yesterday. Yeah, it was, I think it was like yesterday when I started seeing this happen. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean like I said, I haven't had a chance to talk to Hector, get his comments on this one, but I'm sure he's mm. got a lot to say on this. Mm. Uh so we'll see, yeah. Um, it's hard to transition out of that, but I will right. to a uh, record Coop texted me about, which I have a review of one of the songs that I've listened to already. That's the new Shaggy EP Coop. Yeah, um, and I was I knew this was dropping. I um I mean one of the songs was already out. But yeah. uh, Shaggy has put out a uh, um, a new seven track EP. It's called I mean, In Shaggy, the Mood. Just, just, just put out a couple. Just get five more songs together. Put out an LP. Yeah, like I no. mean, come on. 
No, it, it definitely, it definitely, it, I kind of would have liked to have seen it. But you know what? Seven isn't, seven is, is using enough tracks for me, too. If yeah. I go back old, yeah. old school, right? And, um, I, by the way, I was really glad that you, you picked the review of Wine and Jumping, which is my favorite track off the album. Oh, yeah. Oh, the EP, I should say. So you, you did a great job picking that one. But, you know, this, this is a, I think this was a much different Shaggy collection than I've seen before. I'm not saying this is the greatest Shaggy album to come out it's not but it's, it's by no means a bomb it's, it's actually a no. but it is a little more of an experimental album for him in that he um he's experimenting a lot with what here's the thing they promote the fact that they're experimenting experimenting more with soca which is yeah. a uh which is a which is kind of an offshoot of calypso with african mm. and indian music and it came from mm. tr the trinidad uh tobago region lord shorty was a musician was the guy who formed that uh, Soka means Soul of Calypso. But in my opinion, the thing that people weren't talking about with this album is the EDM influence that's on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's three tracks, you know, Buddy Bye, Don't Run, and Well Talented, that there's a heavy EDM influence in here. That surprised me a lot more of this as well. Um, but, you know, the, the the title track, which is called Mood, that was pretty much that Soka influence on it. But like I said, I was I was surprised people weren't more making more of the EDM stuff that was in there. It's it's an interesting combination of music. I still like Shaggy's classic dancehall style. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, but I liked some of these soca elements he put in certainly too. Uh, and EDM, like I said, it was something a little different. And I I think it's a it's a quality collection here. If you if you got a streaming service, you owe it to go listen to it. Go read Dave's review. The, the review on Wine and Jumping, uh, which was my favorite track, uh, is fantastic. Thank you, Coop. No, it's my favorite track. I think mm -hmm. I mean Mood is gonna big hit off it. Mood's been a big hit, but it had a, it had a little run. Yeah. But but uh, you know, Patrice Roberts does a great job <laughs> with a duet on this. She's really good on here. Yeah. Um. No, what I liked about it, and I had to listen to it because I'm a Shaggy fan. Yeah. Is I think I said this last year when we were talking about he did the Jump with Me uh record with Sting. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's good that Shaggy's still out there, but I want some original music. I want. I did too. I want I him too. to come out with something, and he did. And yeah. What I like about a coop is at his popularity and age, he can just do another boombastic and just rest on the nostalgia. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, but he didn't. He evolved the sound and he, you know, freshened it up. He's very modern. Like you said, a lot of this Skrillex sort of like um, dance, like um, dance music. These are all going to be like big club hits, I think. Yeah, and these are definitely great. club songs. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned in your you you even did mention the EDM influence in this song too. It, it wasn't yeah. as heavy as the other track, some of the tracks I made, but there is. And I was glad you because, like I said, none of the music experts were pointing this out. I mean, when I was reading about the EDM piece, yeah, so like, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it's a departure from his uh, his normal well, not normal, but his like regular canon, yeah. but. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I like the fact that he's doing that because it shows that he still enjoys making music. He's still interested in evolving, which means you're probably going to get some more records from him. Which yeah, is really no, good. I like I said, I thought I thought the 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 album with Sting was was pretty good. Okay, again, yeah. I wouldn't put it as Shaggy's best work or Sting's best no. work, but it was. But Shaggy is the king of the collaboration. Okay, yes. Shaggy does collaborations probably better than anybody. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he 
he did that. I mean, he did those songs with Maxi Priest, which I'm yeah. not a big Maxi Priest guy as much as Shaggy, but that that is like a that's fantastic stuff. So, and a lot of stuff on this album, he has a lot of collabor. Like obviously, he's collaborating with Patrice Roberts on on yeah. um, on um yeah. yeah on um wine and jumping. So, uh, but no, it's um it's yeah. a great, it's great, and I like I said, I just like that he's evolving because it tells me that there's still a lot of creative energy there. So we're probably gonna get another couple yeah. of records, I would think. Yeah, I I agree. And, I, and look, I think this the discussion should start for Shaggy make for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, you think he, it would? I, 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 he just hit the 25-year mark like a couple of years ago. So I think, I'm, I mean, he should get in in this decade, in my opinion. Like I said, you, you made a point in your review of pointing out like Shaggy's up. I mean, you put Shaggy up there with Marley and Peter Tosh. I mean, that's... This well, if you is, look at crossover yeah. success, I mean, I don't for, know who right, else crossover, pick. yeah. Maxi Priest, who I mentioned, had a couple of hits, but not anything yeah, but like not, these guys were talking yeah. about. I mean, coffee's sort of getting there, but not even close. In time, I mean, yeah, coffee will get there, yeah. yeah. But if you're looking at crossover success, right. and I'm sure Nick Melillo will be able to point out other people. I mean, it would be Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, probably Toots the Maytals. And then you're sort of at a loss for crossover success. Um, and he, but his crossover success for reggae was massive. Right, you can't I mean, underestimate that. No, it definitely wasn't. Uh, I mean, you go back to twenty years ago, Shaggy was like taking over the airwaves. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit I mean, those, Hitler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bombastic and all that. Uh, wasn't obviously it wasn't me. I thought I became yeah. Shaggy's fan. I, Angel. But I, but I, but I started going deep. Angel's really good. He did a cover of that. I, I really started going deeper into Shaggy after hearing those radio hits. I said, there's a lot more to yeah. this guy. Um. So oh, I yeah, I mean that's it. the thing, yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. It's uh it's great to have that. Out. I think it's gonna do well for him. Yeah, like I, I said, mean, I would have liked to have seen ten tracks. Come on, Shaggy, get a couple yeah, get back in yeah, the studio on this one. Make me happy. I, I said that in my in my review, would have loved to have a full LP. But, yeah, you know. It, it, I mean, does, hey. it has enough tracks to qualify for my list at the end of the year. Because oh, it, it should. It, I yeah, mean, it, seven's pretty good. Seven is the, it's, oh, anything over six, I'll go. Uh it's gotta be over six though. So he just kind of makes it with that. Just, so, yeah. But no, it's it's good. Like I said, we see a lot of people put out records. Yeah. And they're just nostalgia records. Like they haven't evolved their sound in the last 20 years. Yep. They're just baking on nostalgia. Yep. So it's good that that he's able to go out and like evolve, which is yep. great. Yep. Um, Battle of the Bands prizes, Coop. Yep. I got I'm going to announce the winners. Uh, but the prizes, if you if, if you don't remember the prize, there's a $50 Final Week Please gift card. There is a, um, a Drew Estate. Um, it's a backpack. Yeah, it's a Drew Estate backpack and a Alec Bradley ashtray, which we have one from like we gave one of those away last year. So the three winners. Okay, now here's how it works: the first place winner gets to pick what they want, the second Ooh. place winner gets what's left, and the third place winner gets the final <laughs> thing. Right. So, so that's how it works. Um, and if you're out of the U.S., you can't win. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this right now: if you are out of the U.S., there will be another winner picked. I think these are all. U.S. I'm I'm hoping they're all U.S. people. Who paid uh, shipping that? Except except nah. for the gift card. Okay. The yeah, gift, oh yeah. Which I think someone won the gift card last year. And it wasn't a problem because they were out of the state. But yeah, I can't ship the these are these ashtrays no. are pretty big. So yeah, I, keep I, a, keep a paying that. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, um, and yeah, we just we just can't do it, unfortunately. Um, all right, that's, yeah. All right, uh, but I am pulling up, of course, uh, my list here. So bear with me 
as uh we get into who uh who uh is gonna um have this so of course uh my list don't come up when i wanted to um oh, look at that. all right the winner chad t chad mormon i know who he is chad t chad is the first place winner the second place winner is tim mc71 he's a twitter handles and the third is I... number one number number one son n-u-b-r-o-n-e-s-o-n oh yeah. hey and you all won yeah yeah <laughs> So, uh, those are the three winners. Uh, I will I, I announcing them here, so they're announced, and everyone knows who won. Uh, but I will also be contacting the uh, individual winners. Um, at you know, I'll be contacting the individual winners as far as that goes, and um, you know, give you guys a shot to select the prizes. Once all the prizes are selected, I'll probably mail them out the next. We do mailings, uh, in the hoop office like every two weeks. You know. Um, unless we have to get something out to Dave quickly, we, we try to get that done, but we usually every two weeks yeah. is mailing. So I'll do it with the next time we, uh, we, we, we pack stuff up. Um, so nice. That, that is, uh, that is that. So congratulations to the winners. Thanks to everyone who participated. Did I just kicked my camera. Yes, I did. Thanks to ah. everyone who participated in, uh, the battle of the bands there. Yeah. And, uh, there's some good stuff at final me, please, man. So, uh, Get excited about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh that's that's cash, man. We give you like money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, I'm gonna be honest, as uh I'm gonna talk about this. I talked about I we gotta figure something out with the we gotta get more involvement for people entering the prize piece. But we had voting. We know the voters are out there. So yes. give me feedback if these prizes I think they're pretty good prizes, but if they're not, let me know. Uh let us know. And uh, I had to fix the camera after I kicked it, but yeah. So uh, yeah, let us know. We're happy to uh, we're happy to kind of um, get feedback on that. We want, we want to, I like giving away stuff, so uh, let, let now me. Now I have a I have a little plug. I have a little plug for Vinyl Me Please, right? Mm -hmm. I just looked it up to make sure. If you join now, join. If you join, it's you get a record of the month. I think it's for either six months or a year. Right. If you join, you get eight bonus records free. That's pretty Eight good. Eight records so, for so, free. So it's kind of like you buy only please. It's a storefront. You can buy stuff. Yeah. And then you, yeah, you can a subscription service as well. Yes. So it's a, you get a record a month. I've been doing it for it's a good. Five it's, years. It's, it's 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 a good service is what I'll say. It's a good subscription service. Yeah. So you, get, been, you get a record a month. Yeah. If the record that month is something you don't like, you can swap it out for something else. Yep. Um, And then. You get these eight bonus records because it's also a store, so like you can buy whatever. And yeah. Member prices are cheaper. So like I got, uh, like I got Let It Bleed on this special like Coke bottle clear colored vinyl. Um, what else I did I get recently? Raising Hell on I got that Run DMC. I got yeah. the Joan Jet and the Runaways. All albums that Dave has had already that he's rebuying, if you notice. So. Well, they're colored now. <laughs> That's how you um, all this music we rebuy. I we talked about that yet. But, but yeah, so I think I think if it, if you or someone you know or love is a big vinyl person has a record player, this is like the it really is. It, place it's to a, be. yeah, it really is. It's a good show, a store. Um, you know, um, I yeah, it's obviously Amazon and stuff like that. I get it, but this is like I said, this is kind of a little bit more of. A, I kind of like what yeah. they do here. We've been giving these away I think every year with the contest. So but yeah, I mean, uh, but anyway, so I really yeah. love it. 
expect. This comes that. out of the coop. This comes out of the coop budget, guy. Guy, guy. So we're giving away. Ooh. I don't know how many. We, we give away more cash than anybody on these shows. Too much I cash, guess. man. I, and, and, um, but if we're not getting the interest in the yeah. contest, I'm not gonna be able to continue to do that. So yeah. I'm just gonna go back to swag. So I need I need more Ooh. people entering the contest here. And if you're not entering the contest, tell me why. Because it's a simple retweet. I know the people are yeah. voting. I know the voters are there. This year, but, the, but but the but the entries were down this year. So. I'm I'm trying to figure out it, what happened. So if you, anyone knows, let me know. You know what else is down? According to your notes, cigar yeah. news. Um, cigar yes, news until down. until there was an update. So I oh. I, kind of put a, I put a comment in that. Um, it's been we're getting down into cigar news. is not a lot because basically what happens is print media is putting the squeeze on online media and they're holding a lot of stories. We we see this happen. All oh, right. Right, and then the cigar company goes to me. I can't talk about it. Like, well, we know Ooh. why they can't talk. Um, so it's an unfortunate thing. Um, I get frustrated with it every year, but it is what it is. Um, mm. but there was a a big story this week, and it was not good news. Uh, there was the the fire down at Arturo Fuentes' warehouse. Uh, took out the entire warehouse down in the one of their warehouses in the Dominican Republic. Um, uh, there was, they estimate a million pounds of tobacco, in that warehouse. Wow. And it was a total loss. Wow. Yeah. I've been down to the Fuente operations. Uh, I've been down. And these are, I mean, these warehouses are enormous. Mm. And, uh, you know, fires, these fires, people don't understand how bad these fires are, even if they're small. Because they because what happens is smoke affects the tobacco. Mm. So this, this incinerating smoke is going to affect the tobacco. And water affects the tobacco. Yeah. So, but in this case, it was just more. The whole the whole warehouse went down here. This was a big one that they had. Wow. They have more warehouses, okay? They have plenty of tobacco, but um, nonetheless, this is a sad day. I I, I know how much. Look, I, I got to go down there. I've gotten to know the Fuentes over the past few years. I know they put their heart and soul into this stuff. This was this was just sad. Um, I feel for them right now. I do. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely gonna have uh, impact. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked to Jose a bit on things, you know, he Jose like he was um he was sleeping when all this happened because you know, he's over a message. All right. So yeah, this happened right. so he I guess he wakes up and he sees all these messages going on. Um I had gotten a message from Carlito about one AM about the details and he sent me some photos. Um so I was able to put that up there. I went up I was actually up when that happened, but uh, I was set to call Jose, but probably by the time I put it up, Jose was probably up and saw all his messages. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. So, yeah, that was the big – unfortunately, that wasn't good news this week to go with either. Mm. Yeah, that's that's some tough news. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of those. I mean, you had the Caldwell one, I remember. Yeah, that was a bad – and that was probably worse for him because, again – that's a smaller factory with a with one of their big warehouses. The, the factory went down in that case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Alec Bradley had it at the. They didn't have it. At, they had it at the farm in the curing mines last year. All right. So they had. Yeah, they had. They've hit it too. Um, we get these. Look, we get these about. I want to say every one or two years. It, I don't mean to sound matter of fact. It happens. It's part of the business. You know, these things are very hard to. We were talking. Yeah. You know, the, there's a lot of pros and cons on how much you could fireproof this and what would really work. So, yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, it's tough. Does that, you know, but it, it's part of it. But, you know, this came up. We talked about this at KMA this morning. And it, the thing is, yeah, you could put sprinkler systems in a lot, but you'll still lose your tobacco, right? So, yeah, 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 right. So yeah. it's a tough it's a tough thing to kind of deal with. Uh, um, You know, I'll just say I was once in Costa Rica at one of the factories. Yep. And someone ashed a cigar. Ooh. Not on purpose. Not on, It was actually on the floor. And it caught a slight flame. Because it's very dry and easy, and 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 they were able to get it out pretty quick, but it could have spread very quick too. Is what I'm saying. It, it, it's got to be real, you know. You got to be real careful with this. Like I said, no one was, you know. And they say, hey, smoke through walking through the factory, but sometimes you just got to be careful. These things are very dry in these things, and they're flammable, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um. It's what we're smoking, so we're gonna to give us room on the record. We're just gonna jump right in. Yep. What are you smoking today, Coop? Uh okay, so I'm smoking the Placencia Alma de Fuego um Concepcion, which is a box press Toro. And this is a special one I got from Puro Sabor, because it's got the special band, but it's the same Ooh. cigar. I picked it because this is the third Alma blend. Uh there's Alma Fuerte, Alma del Campo, and now Alma de Fuego. Mm. Um and we're talking about Phil Collins' third album. So I just oh. a, so I, I I wanted to do something around improvisation improvisation because Phil does a lot of that but I couldn't find something I was wanting to smoke so with that so so yeah I am also smoking a Pearl Sabor cigar that Coop generously sent me yep and that's the Postania Connecticut and I'm going full mic today because I got the Connecticut and I got a bang oh there you go so um, I'm full. I'm full mic today. Yeah, I went I went a little extra mile to get Dave one of those extra ones. I was able to kind of uh I, I did a little swap with someone. Uh little swap. Who, like, who had already had that cigar. So I was able to kind of swap with that and, and then um but I, I gave up like a padron for it. <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, no, I'm so, excited. But I had I had plenty of padron. I was like, Yeah, you could take a padron for that, yeah. Not that I hate padron, but I have I had padrones at home, so Ooh. So I had this Mike sent me one, and what is it was something like probably like a Corona size. Yeah, that's a Rebus. Is that the Rebus or a Toro? It's, it's like a Toro. Okay. So I'm excited for this. Excited for this Toro. Yep. Try it out. I love the band. I have to admit, they, they did it. The well, they did. They have gold and black. Great job by by Mike and Mike. Um. By the way, I know I know they re- listened to the show, so uh, they, <laughs> they heard last week's show. So I think we're all good with them. That uh, I think I'm all on better terms with them after I promoted their event. Oh yeah, I have to. Uh, but no, so I'm very excited for this cigar. I mean, I'm assuming these are going to be coming out soon. I they're, would they're... guess at the trade show. You yeah. know, it, there's been a lot of talk about like this and like Postani and Skip. In that, people there's some there's some people are saying that why would Skip like like cause Skip kind of let the cat out of the bag about this one and the yeah, Corona and the SPC and the SPC right and the SPC yeah but the other school thought is I don't think Skip would do that without Mike's okay yeah I mean I think uh... I, I I I trust Skip enough on it so yeah, yeah what better person to have get put it out of the bag than skip so oh, yeah. you know, i've heard people say wow well, skip shouldn't be i said well we don't know if i think if i think if they were upset about skip letting the cat out of the bag they would have let people know so i i, I don't think you should be beat skip, unless if mike and them have an issue it's one thing but i don't think we should be busy skip up on that no 
there's no that's a pretty good guy to have promote your stuff. Check it out, people. Right yep. there. Yep. Right there. Yep. Um. So now, now we're doing album archaeology oh, of no. Jack oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. Yes. Before we do, that, yes, that's yes. the third Postani core line. So there you go. Hey, so the third one. Hey. Yep. yep. Yeah, yep. Habano. So, yep. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Now go ahead. Uh, yeah. So now usually it's a, it's a, it's we're doing no jacket required, which I'm very excited about. I'm very excited about this. Uh, usually it's a it's a record that we both know, but Coop is vastly more knowledgeable on this record than I am. So uh, for the history, I'm going to turn it over to Coop to give us some album history, and then what I'm going to talk about is just a bit of the okay reception around the album. It's kind of its place in music history because that's because yep. Phil's talked about that yep. in interviews, which is interesting. All right, and, and if I babble too long, Dave, stop me. You know, I don't oh, that hey man, uh, okay, go for it. All right, so. No Jacket Required, it was released in uh, February of 1985. Um, and when this came out, when he put this album out, he was red hot. And this is in the era of Michael Jackson, Prince, and Lionel Richie. Uh, you know, having huge success during this point. Uh, and, and Springsteen, okay? I should put Springsteen. So, but Phil Collins was red hot. He had, um, he had topped the charts with Against All Odds which was a monster hit, really kind of put him on the map more so than I think in the air tonight in that it became mainstream. He was producing albums, not songs, albums for Philip Bailey and Eric Clapton. Uh, so it was Chinese wall for Philip Bailey behind the sun for Eric Clapton uh, on that Chinese wall album was the massive hit easy lover. Okay. So, and on top of that Genesis, which is, was his band, in 1983, had a had their most successful album, the Genesis Genesis album. All right, so the Genesis this Genesis relationship is very very important here, uh, because really the band with that 1983 album they started they were there were hints they were going to turn the corner away from progressive, but that was really their first kind of like pop top 40 album Genesis. It was a huge hit for them, but Genesis was getting to a point where they basically would work together on a project and then the the members of the band would go off and do solo projects um and then they get back together for another album and then they do the same thing and that was how they did things throughout the whole 80s um so it was kind of at this point where after the genesis genesis album phil went and kind of worked on like against the odds the, the soundtrack thing for that as well as no jacket required mike rutherford went and did mike and the mechanics so so that was happening so Phil pretty much had the blessing of this was a this was a this was not like oh Phil Collins is off writing a solo album right this was the case that the this is how the band was operating in 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 this point so it was kind of done with with blessings there so we we talked about this no jacket required it was his third solo album um now he had put out two prior albums um, face value in 1981, and hello, I must be going in 1982. Uh, and these were albums that basically were inspired through the pain of his first of his, I think, four divorces. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> so Phil, Phil, uh, yeah. Uh, once in a while, people don't stay together anymore. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, but here was the thing, Dave. That was really, I think, so. No jacket required is going to continue along those themes. 
And it's going to be, but it's not going to be as heavy as Hello, I Must Be Going was. Hello, I Must Go was really deep into this whole breakup. But he's got some stuff, but he tried to keep it a little lighter this time. Um, and you'll see that he accomplished this by improvisation. And he explores some other themes outside of breakups. Uh, you know, there's some relationship stuff. There's a social track on there. But here was the thing, Dave, that I think this is a very important thing that people need to understand about Phil Collins. For a guy to get out there and and spill his soul, like put his soul out there and put his heart out there, like and 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 talk about the pain of a divorce, that's not something we've seen from a, a lot of male artists. Okay, to the point, I think Phil did it really deep. I mean, so he was kind of like this. Um, I don't know how you put it. This modern man, almost like you know, where I don't. I'm not saying that other male singers haven't hit it. But to the depth that Phil Collins did this, it was um, it was pretty big. Mm. Um, Phil was working with a producer by the name of Hugh Padgham. Uh, Padgham. Um, he met him uh, on Peter Gabriel's solo album, where Collins was a session musician. Um, and you're gonna see that Peter Gabriel and people don't know Peter Gabriel was a former member of Genesis. Um, Phil has a very good relationship with him. In fact, Peter Gabriel is gonna make an appearance on this album. Um, the other thing he brought in, and this is for all the like, for, this is he's worked with this these musicians for the previous two albums of the Phoenix Horns, which is the horn section of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now, you mentioned that he produced Philip Bailey's album, Chinese Wall. There you go. There's a there's a connection here with Earth, Wind, and Fire and Phil. Um, he's brought in some really. He had some other really good session musicians. Uh, Daryl Stromer is the guitar player. Mm. Uh, Leland Sklar is the bass player. These are very sought-after session musicians. Um, and, of course, Sting and Peter Gabriel are going to guest on here. Yeah, I uh, I read about the guests. Uh, apparently, a lot of them were, were connections that he made, like, doing the, the Live Aid stuff. and like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, for example, Sting was a great one. Sting, actually, he met during uh, Band-Aid. Yes, yes, and did, yeah. yep, and then they performed you know, one of the tracks on this album, which wasn't a major release, was was performed at Live Aid. So, yeah, but but the sting coming on here was absolutely a result of them being in the studio doing the band aid thing uh, a year earlier. Now, the this album title, yeah, love that, love the story, yeah. Okay, so the album title has nothing to do with any of the tracks on this album. All right. The story is that um, Phil Collins was going to a restaurant called The Pump Room in Chicago, Illinois. And he was going with Robert Plant. Um, and uh, as they're walking in, uh, Phil is wearing a jacket. OK, he's wearing a jacket um, because there, there's a dress code at this restaurant. So they take one look at Robert and said, yeah, you come on in. And they look at Phil's jacket and they're like, no. Uh, and. Um, the maitre d' says this is not a proper jacket, <laughs> um, and uh, I guess he wasn't allowed. He was not allowed to go in there at that point. Um, Collins went on a media blitz about this thing, uh, and uh, he said he I was never so angry of anything. In my my and Phil has been known to have a temper. Okay. Um, but he told. I remember he was going through talking about this on the late night shows with Johnny Carson and all that. Uh, blasting the restaurant. Um, 
but then the restaurant did issue him an apology. Uh, they sent him a complimentary sport coat, an apology letter, and they said he can come to the restaurant anytime he wanted. But I think it was at that point the album title was already in 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 the works or actually selected at that point, which was No Jacket Required. I love the apology. It's like a bit late. Yeah. <laughs> I can, yeah. And look, and it might, it, oh, just knowing Phil Collins from what I've read, there must have been such an ego killer to be like, because like I don't even know if Robert Plant was probably without, not even wearing a shirt. <laughs> right, like, well, you're Robert Plant. Yeah, Robert Plant. Uh, you know, you know, hundred percent. You know, and, Phil and they're like, oh, but court. you're from Led Zeppelin, and they're like, who's this schlub? You're not coming in here. I mean, but Phil always had this quirky sense of fashion to begin with. Like, oh, he would wear outfits, and the, the pants were wrinkled, and they were baggy, and uh, you know, he had to have socks that match. You know, that was what that little Phil's Phil's uh kind of uh charm was. Too, but uh, oh, so I could see him wearing this great. like ridiculous sport jacket. Yeah, I would. I wish I could see what it was. Uh, that being said, this is a strange album. It's not, <laughs> yes, really, yeah. it's not really conceptual, but that's it's conceptual in the fact that it's not conceptual. I guess is the best way I could put it. But the singles on this album, there are eleven tracks on this album. Four were released as singles, but I will tell you, all eleven tracks have a strong following. Um, that's, I think one thing that I can't say about any of the other Phil Collins albums. Uh, they, they have either fan following or, the, you know, it's that favorites of, of the, the Phil himself. Um, videos. I think the video was key with this, with this album. Okay. And Phil kind yeah. of always, he hated doing like the crappy acting video. So he would yeah. try to do these like kind of quirky things, innovative ways. I think, you know, don't lose my number is a great example. Uh, you know, people pitching ideas to do a video and these ideas have already been done, you know, so he would do little things like that. I actually think there's one video we'll talk about that ruins the song, though, and we'll talk about that when we get into the tracks. <laughs> and it's going to be a surprise to you on that. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, this was a very personal album for me. Um, so for the starters, we had a group of five of us that hung out in high school. Uh, myself, the two Mikes, who both had the last initial K. Uh, oh, on you, Mike. My friend Steve, who passed away, um, and this guy Pete, and we all loved music. But the one band that we all bonded over was particularly Genesis and Phil Collins. Uh, we just had this bond about it. We all loved loved it, uh, especially when we were going through, uh, you know, adolescent female problems. Uh, you know, this album was like kind of therapy at times. Um, and then I think I mentioned this to you, Dave, that One More Night, which is one of the tracks of this album, yes, um, made its way into a uh, the theme of my high school prom. Mm, I might yeah, have pushed that a little. I might have pushed that a little there. I have the glass <laughs> still. Um, and today is my 33rd wedding anniversary, by the way, as we're recording this. Oh, happy anniversary. Coop. Thank you. And that date I took to the prom is the person I ended up marrying. No, oh, nice. Now, look at that. We, yeah, but. We we were split for a little while after that. Nothing bad, uh, but we were we were apart, and then we started dating a couple of years later on, uh, and, and the rest was history. But yeah, so yeah, that, that, there's a lot of tie with this album, personally. Um, and I remember we got the prom glass. We got each couple got a prom glass, and <laughs> Lisa, my wife, was in, she knew how much I I love this, you know, Phil Collins. And normally you give the the glass to your date. She gave the glass to me. She insisted oh, I take man. the glass. Uh, well, she ended up. She still. She, it's oh, yeah, still. Yeah, it's anyway. still in our I mean, bedroom today. That guy. Maybe so. she knew. 
38 years old at glass. I found the use for it. <laughs> I got I got to tell you, uh, you know, Phil Collins didn't have luck in the uh, marriage department, but at least he inspired a great relationship. He did. So, you know. uh, and ironically, I'll just say this, that group of five I talked about, it was my friend Steve that set me up with Lisa. So, oh, so there's there's a lot. I said this is a very personal album for me. It has obviously has a a place in this too. So I want to be objective, but I want to disclose that as well. There's a lot of like things in this album. <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah. And then um, the last comment. Yeah. Yes, I'm really curious about from the start. I I was very curious with Dave's reaction with the Beatles album <laughs> because this is not a Dave album. All right, now. I didn't agree with every comment you made when I saw the notes, but I'm going to say Dave's got some very insightful comments, and I think people <laughs> really appreciate it, including myself. And I learned a lot from you on this. I understand some of the things you're saying, and you're not wrong on them. So, so uh, I think you did a very good job. And don't you know? Like I said, I might notice album a little more just because it's a part of my life. But you did a very good job with with what you're going to cover here. So don't 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 cut yourself short here. No, thank you, Coop. No, I am very excited for this record. I so Coop said. Let's do a Phil Collins show. And I know Phil, I know Coop loves Phil Collins. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to have a lot to add if we just do a show like on his career. And I'm, and so I came back with like, let's do an album archaeology I know Jack and Required because I can look at the songs. I'll have stuff yep. to add. And yep. I know Coop loves the record, so he'll be all over it. And yeah. so that's how we got to here. And I think what I love is doing a record that Coop loves a lot and knows really well because then I learned a ton. It's like our disco stuff. Yeah, I mean it's, it's fun to do records that we both know well, but it's it's really great when we do records that one person knows a lot better than the other. So I love that you had all that album info because I would not have had that. No, but I mean I um, look, I went through some of it with some of the Taylor Swift stuff that we we did. Um, I learned a lot from that. So, um, and some of the other, you know, certainly, um, we've done a, a lot of album archaeologies. Um, and I, like I said I've um. Uh, I learned a lot from you on, on those types of things. Uh, you know, e even like um, Lady Soul, I wasn't quite as familiar with that album to the depth that you were. So I learned a lot with that one. We did that. See, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in the songs because I only know like the bangers. But well, uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened post this record and how that impacted Phil. Yes. Like artistically and and personally. Yep. So, and I think what's going to come through on this record, it's sort of what's always come through on this record, is that it depends how old you were when it came out. So, I was, so this is 85, so I was 10 when this record came out. I was 17. Yeah, and that's the, that's the divide. And that's what I'm saying, this was, again, girl problems, this therapy with some of these songs we're going to talk about, so... That's so why it was it yeah. me very different at that point. So for me, I've always associated Phil with like Miami Vice. I really liked his vocal. He was on the radio all the time. My parents listened to him. And I'm like, oh, that's fun, you know? Yeah. But I was but I grew up on Nirvana. And yep. what happened was that sort of that divide, what happens with no jacket required, it becomes like it's no jacket required. I mean, this is the album, but Phil Collins, Def Leppard, Late Motley Crue, Huey Lewis in the News, Genesis, they all get sort of lumped in to what Kurt Cobain calls like corporate rock or what's yep. kind of termed as corporate rock. Yep. This idea that music wasn't from the heart. It was all sort of like made to focus group and it's just to yep. make money. Oddly enough, Nirvana sells 33 million records. 
But anyway. Well, again, we talked about the demise of top 40 happened, you know, yeah. a little little after that 88 time, right? Uh, so, but I'll say yeah. this. 1985 was it as far as synth pop went. Yeah. Uh, after Live Aid, synth yeah. pop really when always drive. And, and you started the band, you yeah. mentioned, started to take over what synth pop had. Yeah. So you get you get sort of like at this time, because this comes out yep. in 85. Yep. Yep. And then another like I mean to get idea like how big Phil was, he comes out with this in 85. Genesis has their record in 86, like he's everywhere. Yeah. And so what happens is you come out, Nirvana comes out with Bleach in 91 or in 88, never mind in 91. You have bands like Soundgarden, Sonic Youth, Melvin's, Pearl Jam, Bikini Kill. They're all sort of like they're all sort of coming out against corporate rock. And what happens with corporate rock is that no jacket required becomes the like poster child right. of corporate rock. Like that record specifically. Uh, absolutely. And it, and also corporate rock and top 40 were very much associated yes. with it. Yes. This all of a sudden, like, so Phil Collins comes out with an album in 1993 called both sides. Yeah. It, but that we talked at the beginning of the, that was the beginning of the end for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Not yeah. A, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just interesting because this record was did so well. I think it's 12, 15 million copies or something. And then, yeah. but then immediately when like Nirvana becomes popular or it's sort of in the 90s, like Beach is out, these bands are coming out. This record specifically gets put into the like, this is a dated and lame record. It's only like six years old. Yeah, and, and look, Genesis was still putting music out. And, yeah. and Phil had actually put another album out, which... But it wasn't. It didn't quite have the same sound as this, right? But seriously, it was a very different yeah, but album. But seriously, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but this was because again, I think you know you you're gonna make the point about disco. So I'm I don't want to steal yeah. your thunder. Yeah. So I I just said in my notes, much like how punk was a response to disco, grunge is a response uh, great, to this sort of high treble synth like corporate rock. Great, thing. great point. Absolutely. Yeah. When you said that. I'm like that is absolutely on on the money. Yep. I agree with you on that. And I mean, and unfortunately, Phil's record like gets all this hung on it. Like it's basically all of it is pinned on this record, and it it comes out. It's dated and lame. Everybody hates it. Phil Collins is terrible. No jacket required. Is just this like vacuous surface level piece of garbage. Like this is like the thought of kind of my generation, sort of in like people that are going to high school, college in like 91, 92, essentially. It, it, it never lost interest with our party of five group, by the way, just so you know. Oh, yeah. It, that, and that's we, we actually We actually never, we all love this album. And then things like uh, marriages, unfortunately, one of the guys died. It was, uh, it changed stuff. But the guys who was, there's, there's um, you know. We still, the guys who were around still, we, we still have a oh, yeah. this album. Yeah, we never and lost it, but but unfortunately, that's things. Music music fans are very fickle on this type of stuff. Yeah, that's the divide. I mean, that's the sort of divide between like you know, um, people that were like in the Sex Pistols and had Mohawks, and people that were maybe only like ten yeah. years older that were still listening like Donna Summer. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so that's the divide. Yeah, and what happens is that. In a 2010 interview with Rolling Stone, Phil talks about how that he took this really personally because it was getting hung on that record. Yep. And he kind of goes in this downward spiral. So he becomes a total recluse. Now, he still is like doing stuff for Disney and whatever. Yep. But like he, no one's interviewing him. He's like a total recluse. He said in this interview that um, 
he was thinking about suicide, that it was like, it was a very low point because of all the sort of like discourse around this record. Yeah. Which now, is a shame, which is a shame. Oh, yeah. Because I'll say this. When we talk about, when we get to the end of this record, I talk about what happened. There was some things that Phil did to, to make sure he tried to prevent this from happening. That's yes. the thing he, he did. He did some other projects, and this is why they worked on the Genesis cycle the way they did. So he tried to still, it just unfortunately didn't work out. He couldn't, he couldn't steam or stop it. No, and then, and, but what happens is like with a lot of things, I think Phil Collins and this record are being reevaluated now and are being like more appreciated now. Yeah. Um, like Phil definitely has had a resurgence. Um, so there's, there's, uh, you know, Ice T loves this record. Ice T. It's yep. just bizarre. Yeah. He says it's deep. He's like, Phil's deep, man. It's deep. There's some deep stuff on this album. Um, so I think Phil, I think Phil has got like, I think this record and Phil Collins is getting a revival and is a bit of being reevaluated. But that's sort of the history around this record. So it's interesting in that this record, other than just the record, there's so much like stuff around it. There's so much like, yeah. you know, music history hung on it that it's just really interesting. Yes. Um, so agree, it's good to agree. take a fr so yeah. So I what I tried to do is just take a fresh look at it, not have all that stuff. Um, but yeah. So it's oh, so it's just it's just it's interesting. So you haven't done an archaeology on such a divisive record. No, I um, agree. We haven't. Um, I don't think haven't. it's as divisive now, but like uh, definitely in like ninety two, ninety three, like it was. Yeah, it, it, it was it never it never hit me because I think the album had, had such ties to this album. And you know, yeah. I always talk a lot about my dad and the connections. I had no connections with my dad on this other than he did score me concert tickets at Radio City Music Hall and he uh he made you know, to his connections. But that was it. I mean, this was nothing to do, this was not with my dad's label or anything like that. Um, so it, this was a very but it was a very personal album. I think if I look at any album of the '80s, this, without a doubt, was the most personal album for me. So, what's interesting, Coop? I'm getting really jazzed to talk about this album. Yep. What's interesting is I don't think we've ever done an archaeology, and I saw in your notes it's like our eleventh one, a record that when it was released peaked so high and then rapidly just became like pop culture didn't want to talk about it at all. Right. I mean, the the album that also comes to mind that probably was in that category. But we haven't covered it. Is Saturday Night Fever was in the yes. same boat for a long time. Uh, even made its way. Into, I saw Saturday. I remember I saw Saturday Night Fever in the bargain bin once. I couldn't believe it. A cassette. I I took it. I bought it for a dollar ninety nine. Just a cassette. I didn't even need it. I bought. It. I said this can't be in the bin, right? So th it was the That's same right. thing. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing it now. I mean, there's other artists. Um, you know, we talked about backlash on YouTube. There's a huge backlash on YouTube. We clearly backlash on YouTube right now. But it's just it's such a small point spread of time, Coop, because like eighty five to basically ninety one. It so was like very six years. But this but this got went quick too. I mean, this got went it's quick crazy. too. Yeah, but that it's is crazy like, because Phil was still producing hits even at that point. Yes. That's what's weird. But, but like this culturally, album was it's like Yeah. Stop being talk played about on the it. album. Yeah. Just stop yeah. being talked about. Yeah. It, to go from so big. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's so it's sort of like the history around it is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so for the songs, I basically listened to the LP, but then we have the, the last song that we talked about on final tracks. We, we I added that one because, you know, it's I mean, good. it's 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 a good yeah. song. It's a good. Yeah, I think you probably see where I was coming from with some of that now. 
Why yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. But we didn't do the like deluxe version or whatever. No, so the but LP there's a couple points I'll make about the deluxe version as we're talking because yeah. it's gonna feed into some of the things, That's especially fine. with the first track. Actually, when we get to that, well, let's get to the first track. Let's yeah. see, you kick us off, Coop, on your record, man. All right, first track, Susudio. Yes. Okay. Um, this is a fantastic opening track. Okay. Um, and it's mm. a bit campy. It's about a, it's, 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 again, he was looking to have a lighter, we'll not get into the, you know, the heavy divorce stuff. This is, he's reminiscing about a school, schoolboy crush. So it's a little campy. Um, now the title is really cool. And this is where I think the deluxe version comes in. So if you get the deluxe version of this, which I would advise, right? There's some demo cuts of other songs, right? And one thing you'll see is in these demo cuts is that Phil Collins, as he's cutting these demos, and they're really not demos, they're like more like raw demo, right? They're more like raw cuts. But sometimes he doesn't have a lyric, right? So he puts a placeholder and he makes up a word, right? Or he'll just kind of just put a placeholder and not say anything. Oh, yeah. Right. So in this case, he had put up, uh, um, there's a girl that's been on my mind all the time. And then he couldn't come up with the next thing. He said, so, so studio, right? And he just yeah. put it, he made up this word, right? And he like, I guess he liked it. The you pattern liked it. Like, well, just just go with it, right? Just go with it, right? So I remember when Susudio came out, no one knew what what this like what is the Susudio, right? Um and it was very interesting. Now, the thing is that's interesting is I didn't there's a can there's a lot of people there's a look okay, a lot of people Phil Collins admitted he was very much influenced by Prince during this period, okay? Mm. And um he, he doesn't deny that, right? Now in this yes. song, when you hear the dun 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 dun, dun, dun mm. very similar to nineteen ninety-nine. And mm. I never I don't think Prince ever went after him on it. I don't think there was ever a problem with it. I never made the connect I, I don't think other than that, I don't think there's much of a connection with the two songs. Some people think there's more than that, but I, I but 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 that yeah, it's 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 very similar to the way uh, you can see some similarity there. So that's always been kind of something there. Uh, and this this like uh, you know you're gonna talk about this uh, Miami Vice. Um, this I'll kind of let you talk about the Miami Vice piece because I have some things I want to talk about with that. He was on Miami Vice. He guest starred. Yes. Uh, and here's the thing. Uh, his music was featured there. Miami Vice. I'm just going to say this about Miami Vice. We should explore the music of Miami Vice. Oh, I There's some that. very interesting artists and who participated on the soundtracks and all. And I think for a TV show, it may have been one of the best music TV shows ever. That's why I'm like. I loved Miami Vice. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. So, yeah. So. But... Um, yeah. So I always associate his music with Miami Vice. Because was on yeah. it, and he was on it. Yeah. Uh, like Coop said, I mean, awesome stuff from Coop. I never got that Prince. That's great. I love that. Um, love it. Um, great opening track. I mean, now you can't come up with it. Yeah, it was a. It, it's a great opening track. Yeah. Now, for me, this is a classic sort of Phil sound. Quintessential uh, Phil. Yep. Which, which is a blessing and a curse. So, lots of synth, really high treble. And it's very compressed. So what, and this is sort of the like, well, I say it's a blessing and a curse, is that like he does it very well. So like some of the songs on here are just banger. But then this is sort of the formula that 
gets hit, gets hung with this like corporate rock sort of label. Yeah. Um, but like Coop said, this is like the height of synth pop, and it is really good. It, it, when, synth when it's pop when dropped it hits, off it like really right hits. after the year. Yeah. So I loved, and I always loved his vocal. It's this really steely sort of piercing vocal that just cuts through everything. Yeah. And I love it. And and but I think the thing about it is this sort of high treble that what grunge becomes the antithesis of. So it's yeah. sort of like if you listen to the grunge music, so like your Nirvana's, your Pearl Jams and stuff, it is like the anti treble <laughs> of this. So it's like it's it's sort of like that that's where you can see the response. So it's sort of this like synth treble that they're that they're sort of responding to. But I love his vocal. I adore his vocal it, on all the songs on this record. Yeah, this vocal, but his vocals, I mean, it's really on with this one. Um, It just, yeah, it comes in. It, it, there's a quirkiness, which is Phil Collins, again, quirky guy. It gives that positive vibe out of it. You have the quintessential Phil Collins sound. Um, it, It's a, it, this was actually, the funny thing is this was the second single released off the album. One Night Night was yes. the first. Which, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Which so is surprising. Kind of around the time of my prom was when this song was starting to move towards the top of the chart. If it Great may song. have already hit the top around that oh, point. So, yeah. Um, so now we go to song two. Only you know I know. Now, love the drums on the front end. Uh for me, the synth and stuff lets it down a bit. I wrote my notes. I really needed more bass. You know what's funny? He's so, got one of the best bass players in Leland Scar. And yeah. the bass is almost muted on this song. I, mean, I, I ain't going to argue with that. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of part of that sound, I guess. But yep. um, it, but it's it's far more prominent in a couple other songs that I really enjoyed. Um, what I I got more sort of drawn into lyrically this song. So um, Phil's kind of known as this happy-go-lucky guy. Like Coop said, he's making up words, studio, having a bit of fun, you know. But you look at his videos, it's like a bunch of puppets and, you know, whatever. Th- this, th- there's a lot of, there's some darkness in this song because it's about this sort of relationship, push-pull in this relationship that's just not working. <laughs> this relationship yeah. just isn't good. Uh, and so what I think is interesting is like No Jacket Required is sort of seen as this like corporate rock, kind of like synth, do whatever you want, you know. But there's a, there's a lot of songs on here, Coop, that had that sort of like darkness to them that is interesting because you don't think of that with Phil Collins. And I found the lyrically, I found this song interesting. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. You nailed it, Dave, on a lot of points with this. So let me kind of start off. I think this was a good second track. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good for the second. I think this was perfect because the first track was a, was an upbeat one, right? Yeah. Now this is an up tempo track. But when you get into the lyrics, there's a darkness that has hit with these lyrics, and you just nailed it's it. Interesting. This is one of the breakup songs. This is kind of one of the uh, the relationship breakup songs. Now, there's different ways Phil Collins expresses the breakup music. Mm. In in this one, okay, he is absolutely um, he is basically he is singing it to the person he's breaking up with or broke up with. This mm. is a message to that person, like like and and and. Uh, you know, um, he just, you know, he's, he's, he says lines like, you do it anyway. Sometimes I know we got to be cruel, be cruel to be kind. 
And he goes, when I ask you what you see in me, you say our love is blind. So it's like he it's a very direct yeah. and it, it's a it's a dark. This is a dark. This is nothing like that. You have optimism with this here, no. Um, no. which is really, really, really good. Um, I think this song, though. So you mentioned this whole it's interesting. You mentioned this whole thing about the treble and, and stuff. And then, yeah, you know, it's interesting because. Like I'm talking about the five guys. I just thought about this when you said that the five of us, when we would be in a car, Mike, my, my friend Mike Kitka would always want the treble turned up, particularly with the with, with these with, with this type of song. He'd always want the treble. You know, you have the balance. He'd want the treble turned up on this. Yeah. Um, because again, I, it, it, I guess because you're really into that sound at that point. So I never mm. put that. You just said that you thought about this. Um, I'll mention the deluxe version has a Euro disco sounding version of this song. Yes. The, the okay. Demo. Um, and that's where you'll hear some of the lyrics are a little incomplete. It, he doesn't make up words in there, but you'll see how he kind of worked. Phil Collins was a very rapid songwriter, from what I understand, too. He he doesn't okay. like sit around for months and write songs. He, uh, from what I read, what he likes to do in the demo is almost have a finished product. So when he gets to the studio, he just bangs it out. Bangs it out, right? And that's pretty yeah. much what happened with the studio, right? Uh, and I guess with this one, you like when you hit a demo. It's interesting to go hear the demo version. I think they did a better version with the final track of this, but you'll kind of hear how it's very much like almost. It's kind of like incomplete, is what you'll hear with that. Um. So, but I, I also, I the one thing you'll also get with this track, okay? Yeah. Phil Collins has a very distinctive drum sound. Mm. Boom, 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 and 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 and. This so studio quite doesn't give you that. You get it yeah. with this track right now. And yeah. Phil Collins' drum, it's just you can tell a Phil Collins drum in a lot of songs. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yep. very, it's very distinct. Your style, you can pick it up very easily. And this one is like quintessential Phil. Mm. Long, long way to go. Yeah. Uh, now, Coop, you have some great background on this song yeah so this uh, kick, kick us off with this one here yep so um as far as album construction goes again i think this is really good we have two up-tempo songs now we get into a a much slower this mm. is a very gloomy type of tone tune that's in here mm. uh so it's so we went from up-tempo darkness now we're going to gloomy and dark here um Long Way to Go is a duet with Sting. And I think I was mentioning this a little earlier. They got to know each other during the Band-Aid sessions. Uh, Sting would actually work on... Uh, Phil asked him to come on the album to do this. And what was ironic is Sting was getting ready to launch his solo career. Dream of the oh, Booth okay, Turtles right. Now, Dream of the Booth yeah. Turtles came out a few months later. Which, I'll say this. I think Dream of the Booth Turtles was the better album to No Jacket Required. It just didn't quite Ooh. have the impact on me personally. No, 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 no. But that was probably the one album I thought that was Sting's full debut was fantastic. Um, but they actually performed this song at Live Aid. This was not released as a single, but they did. Perf it's the only time they've ever performed this song together was at Live Aid, and it really, um, for me when I just remember when that came on because again. I already had listened to this album a hundred times. So to see that happen at Live Aid was very special when that happened. This is a political message that he's got here. He's talking about things in the world and how, uh, yeah. you know, uh, switch it off, you know, uh, things like that. Um, turn it off, you know, stuff like that. 
Sting was perfect on this, by the way. Sting was brought the perfect uh, balance to what was needed with this song here. Um, and it was used in Miami Vice as well. Ooh. It was a closing scene of an episode uh, called Sons and Lovers uh, during the funeral of one of uh, Ricardo Tubbs' uh, girlfriend and son, which, again, is a funeral type of song. Miami Vice was so good at music. I mean, I picked this song. was Obviously, they knew Phil. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think this is a... A re- this is one of his really underrated tracks. This is a great track, mm. and it kind of comes at the right time in this album. No, I mean, you make a great point around construction. I think, too, this is like the perfect third song. Yeah. Because um, you have all this really high-octane, pop-compressed, synth-like, yeah. you know. And then you get to something that does have the, the a bit more bass that I was looking for. The compression's kind of gone. Um, and it's a lot more, there's a lot more space. So it's very moody, like you said. There's some slight electro percussion stuff, but there's a lot more space in the track, which makes it a lot more expansive and very brooding. Yeah, like, like brooding the, is a word, yes. Like very like a lot of darkness just in the just in the arrangement of the song. I mean, which is which I think, like you said, which is a great point, is that putting it here after two high tempo songs just really like reinforces that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause you're, you're listening to the record, you're like, right, studio, bang, bang. You're like, okay, here we go. Here, where's the next one? And then to slow it down like that really accentuates that that vibe that he's after. Yeah, um, I mean, this is very much a sense-driven track as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of good. Boy- Good synth overlay, yeah. yeah. There's electric drums on here. Mm. Um, and there's Leland Scar actually uses the piccolo bass on this song, which is a little oh. higher octave of that. But it's I like the space in it, uh breathes a lot more as a song. Uh and I like I got I like the song. It was good. I'm shocked they didn't release it as a single, especially with Sting with Sting. Yeah. Um maybe Sting wanted to just kind of not if you do that, maybe it would kill some of the momentum of his album coming out. Maybe. I uh, mean, especially since it was in Miami Vice, like you said. Like, you think they'd capitalize off that. Yeah, I mean, it's just when this song was used in Miami Vice, um, it was... And again, because this is, this is a gloomy song. There's nothing uplifting with this song. No. Uh, and and the, it's, the only thing is this isn't like gloomy relationship stuff. This is gloomy social stuff, which he continues on the next album, with, but seriously, he expands on this yes. a lot more. But this is the one track on here where it's... He's talking about you know things, problems in the world, uh, people on the streets, stuff like that. So, well, Genesis had a lot of that too, didn't it? And his next album, like a lot of like the world's going to hell. Yeah, Genesis did stuff. Yeah, Genesis did that, and then they did uh, you know, they would uh, they did some history stuff in there too. Yeah, but they would definitely they did the whole land of confusion thing. You know. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched that video the other day. Oh, Um, one of the greatest videos ever. (laughs) One of one one of Grammy. Yeah. Uh, next track. I don't want to know. So we're back to high synth and treble. Now, for me, I love I love the vocal. I think w- this song is sort of like, um, I guess, uh, musically, w- one of the one of the things for me on this record felt the most dated. Is that it's just like a lot of synth and electro drum fill. And it was just a lot for me to, to deal with. Uh, 
So I'm not a huge fan of this song. However, I still love his vocal. I love his vocal. But for me, unlike comparing it to the last one that had a lot of heart in it, I just didn't see the heart in the song, and it just didn't do it for me. This one. the I don't want to know. Phil had these, like, quintessential songs that not only had this sound that you talked about, right? The high sense, trouble, pop, yeah. right? But he had these, what I call the I-series. I don't want to know. I cannot believe it's true. Who said okay, I would? One. I don't care anymore, which wasn't a high trouble song. But he did a lot of these songs with I, with I in the title. And there mm. were four or five words. It was kind of, and this was, so this is considered a very quintessential Phil song. Um. The points you make, I can understand it too, because music, the the that, but that sound didn't continue, like I said. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have his drum. Yeah, you know, again, you have his signature drumming on this. Now, this is another personal song that he writes on Breakup, mm. but this is one that he sings to someone else. And okay. when you start a song off, it's over. Yes, it's all right. over, and it's been a long time coming. I mean, that is like powerful that's, shit. That's yeah, uh, that is powerful. Like that is powerful. I mean, usually we 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 talk about the female singers who have the you know who kind of rise up in the relationship, right? Phil's the one doing this here, right? Not something we really see a male person doing in a lot of music, even even back thirty eight years ago, right? So I we look we all kind of related to this track because. Uh, we were all going through our girl problems at some point during this thing. Like even, mm. like even when I was my wife, more of the stuff before I met went to the prom. My wife, I was doing some of that stuff. Right? We all related to this song. Right? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. you know, it's over. Yeah, like, like wait, 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 I remember. Get out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got to point out the sax work by the music Gary Santa, Gary Barnacle. What a sax in this. The sax is used brilliant in this song. Um. And again, I think he's doing really good with the album construction. Human Hugh Pattern. You go back now to something more up-tempo with the fourth song because you don't want to go more gloomy after that third track, right? So you got to no. pick it up. So it's again, it's an up-tempo song, but there's some there's some harsh messages in this song uh, is what I'll say. I think lyrically it's a great song. I mean, I think you got to, again, it was not something a male artist was, was singing these types of things in, in the 80s on. So that's not, this is our first song disagreement. This song, yeah, it was. I but, thought it was a. But again, this was quintessential Phil, which is why I was like, well, again, the if you were a Phil fan, yeah, if you're a Phil you fan, loved yeah. this song. I mean, you loved it. Uh, this is not one that's a bottom track on this song for me either. It's it's one that's probably in the top, mm. somewhere in the middle of the eleven. Is where I put it. Mm. Oh, but the the next one, Coop, we got we got clear out for this song because this yeah. is. We we both I think we're both in agreement on this one. Yeah, but uh, I will I will let you kick us off. And what is probably I would have to say, like I don't know how you and I mean, I think in terms of this record, I think this is like you got to have it at the end of the first side, and that's I, I, one more night. Absolutely, yeah. you couldn't have one more night follow a uh, long long way to go. No, you couldn't have it yeah. at the end of the record. So yeah. here's perfect. This is the weakest track, in my opinion, on the album. Oh, <laughs> but but it's not. This is not a bad track. I'm just saying something has to rank at the bottom here. 
for me, it's the weakest track. But it's like, but again, I love it because there's some personal connotations with the prom theme and all that for me, right? But here it was the first single released, right? This was a weird song to be released as the first single, if you think about this, right? Yeah. But they did it. I guarantee they did it because he had captured the adult contemporary audience with Against All Odds. Yes. And they were trying yeah. to kind of, and this was the one to do it, right? But it, it, it's a simple song. It's built off a drum machine. Um, This is a different Phil song. So it does kind of hit the breakup vibe. But in this case, his breakup songs were anger. He was very you know, angry. This one, it's like he's a little more optimistic, you know, he kind of wants a little more optimism. He wants to try to save this thing here, right? Um, so I call it. I use the word a little more conciliatory here, um, which is something we haven't seen with the Phil Collins uh, breakup. I mean, but yeah. him wanting one more night here was interesting. Again, the sax work. This is like when I heard the sax work, it was Billy Joel esque. It was like that Billy Joel sax you'd hear from The Stranger and and Fifty Second Street. It was kind of really used well here in this song. And I thought it was the perfect end of side one of this album. I, I, like I said, for me to say it's the weakest song, there's, there's no weak songs in this album. It's just something has to rank 11th, yep. and this one ranked 11th. Oh. Now, okay, so this song is sort of like a lot of uh, conflict for me. So uh, it was the exact opposite to the previous song for me in that I got a lot more heart in this song yep. than the previous one. Um, he's doing this. I wrote my notes. He's sort of doing that hollow notes, white, guy's soul i like see this is where you had some dave you had some brilliant sight here this is good stuff so if you look at this song and you think about it in terms of like say billy ocean or something and that kind of pop r&b yeah the the arrangement and the lyrics really remind me of that um like those sort of pop r&b ballads like not like not like um you know traditional r&b like i'm talking more like that pop synth r&b sort of thing um, and like a lot of tracks on here. So the instrumentation sort of lets me down a bit. Like there's not a lot going on for me for this, uh, which I no, think there's not, there's not, there's yeah. not, it's a, it's a simple thing of built of a drum machine and a keyboard. Yeah. Which, which, which yeah. I think you touched on. I mean, other yeah. than the sax, like there's not a lot happening. The sax saves um, the song in my opinion too. But that, like I wrote my notes, Phil's vocal is a lighthouse in the storm of average synth that pulls me through. It is. So what I did, because I love his vocal on this so much, I went on YouTube and I and I looked up cuts of this track where they isolate his vocal. So they put everything else down. Yeah. And they just have his vocal. And I think his vocal on this has far more emotion and depth to it than some of the other songs on this record and absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think it really comes through when you like when you like pot everything else down and you, and you just listen to the vocal um and i think it, it just feels it like it feels like more of a realized song to me uh than some of the other ones but like I said, for me, what really makes this song and what what I think probably made it so popular because it's not the instrumentation, Coop, because there's like no. nothing happening. It, it was definitely his vocal and that sort of adult contemporary, which the double-edged sword of that is that that's what everyone responds to when they make brunch music is that adult contemporary vibe. But yeah, I think I think that the vocal is, is the thing that really pulls it through because uh, musically, it's not really on par with the other 
tracks on here, but this it, it is, is it the vocal's so good. This is why I think they re- and this is why again I think why they released this on the heels of um against the odds because against the odds is a incredible mm. vocal performance, right? Yes, so I love that is, song. So you nailed it. This song is more about his vocals than than the the drum machine and the sax solo and the keyboard here. Right? It's uh, you know it. This is much more than that, right? So brilliant move capitalizing on against yes. a lot you know following now do you i don't know if you were, there was a big controversy around this time so this song gets released one one yep. more night the controversy wasn't around this song it was around against a lot because it got nominated for the oscar and phil was told no you're not coming to sing this so they brought in right this, they brought in this dancer named Anne what Reichen is that because they wanted a hollywood person in there right they didn't want to phil so he never got upset about it. Like he kind of, so he does a terrible job. He butches like because Jeez. again, that song's all about Phil's vocals. Who really? Oh does. yeah, it is. And and uh, and I, I know he's made some jokes after it, like saying, "Well, you're not gonna get the Anne Ranking version here. You're gonna get my version of this." Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's because it, what we were so upset, a lot of us were upset about is Phil is a very good vocalist in certain mm. situations. Yeah. Other songs, like, so studio, he's going to be a little more quirky. I get that. But that's Phil. That's what um, Phil was about. Yeah. He was quirky. But yeah. this showed, I mean, he, he could deliver a really good ballad. And this was a really good ballad. And it was all about the vocals here. You're, you're 100% right on this one. I, I love his vocal on all this, all these songs, except one, they kind of try and tweak it with some, like, effects yeah. that I don't like. But yeah. I think I think his vocal is very divisive in the sense that like it's this really trebly dry steely sort of like cut through everything vocal. It's not that classic vocal with a lot of depth to it or whatever. Yep. But I love that. I think that's great. I, yeah. I love that. I think it's yeah. like a his vocal for me is like the perfect pop vocal. Like I love his vocal a lot. Yeah. On everything. Yeah. Um, but I could see like some people could find it a bit divisive, I think. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're going to kick off side B. And of course, we go side B with Don't Lose My Number, which I have three. I only have three notes for this song. I have What Can I Say? Fire Banger. It's my first note. My second note is that this is the apex of 80s pop for me. This is like the mountaintop of 80s pop for me. And. My third note is it's compressed, neon, grotesquely over the top. So much trouble that is the anti-matter of bass. But I love it. It's the vocal. I love the song. The vocal again, the song. It's again, the vocal shines in this one. You're right. But isn't it just like, it is like when someone says, show me a song that represents 80 synth pop. Like I play this song. Like yeah. this song is like the pinnacle for me. Yeah. It's interesting because there's like this drum machine beat that starts this song, boom, 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 and then it's you so hear those. Then, then the thundering Phil Collins, boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah. it comes in. Like then you hear the signature Phil Collins, but it is a very catchy song. It's so catchy. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this track, Coop? I mean, I had very few words, but is, I love this track. Uh, I love this track too. Perfect. Again, album construction so far, everything's on point with this. Uh, very. This is a very uplifting song. Um, if you ask Phil Collins what this song's about, he can't tell you. Okay, <laughs> all right. B- because it was again. This is Phil Collins, the improvisational guy. Okay, so and he's been asked about it. People don't really understand it. We do know that Phil had a love of the old west. We do know that Phil love. It has kind of that old west vibe. 
Um, mm. especially if you watch the video with it. Uh, he liked the old train stuff too, but but yeah, this was a complete improvisation. There's no meaning with this song. Uh, the song is built with a drum machine. Okay, let's make no bones about that. That is built with a with, drum machine. I have to say that's interesting because Phil's such a drummer. It's interesting they use this so much. He drum was machine always infatuated me. with the drum machine with his yeah. whole career, especially and beforehand and afterhand. Uh, with Genesis, I think he was more focused on being a drummer when he's a session drummer. But he he very much was open to the drum machine. Um, but it's that guitar solo by Daryl Strummer in here, yeah. which is just, just knocks it out of the park. Guitar is great in here. Yeah. Oh, Daryl Strummer is, I've seen him perform with Phil live. He's fantastic. Uh, and it's just that, that guitar it is just great. And in my opinion, the video, I talked about it earlier. This is one of the greatest music videos ever done. Um, right. I, to me, uh, and, and, and there's little things in this video, Dave, that, so, Phil would always like to like he'd do the video, but he'd do vocal he'd do like vocal stuff on top of the video, right? And in this in one of the scenes in the video, he's got an exercise group coming in to this and, and the song's playing as this exercise group, and you hear the exercise group go one, two, mm. one, two, and it's just it's being overlaid over the song. And I really, really thought it was well done. Uh he did that with e they did that with Easy Lover a little too. So that was again Phil oh, always, that song, yeah. Phil always tried to like kind of think out of the box and like i said what i loved about this video it really didn't ruin my ruin my impression of the song here um mm. if the video is, is this, yeah there is a video coming up that ruined my, ruined my impression of the song mm. um but but for the most part like i said i think this is a i think you nailed it height of synth pop um <laughs> but a ver again this was the third single actually released it went to number four on the charts so really yeah it was a that's this so this song was hitting the charts um late summer early fall uh, as I was getting ready to go to college, and this was nice. cranked. I had this cranked in the coupe Camaro. Uh, <laughs> I had a coupe Camaro. I had a coupe Camaro. Yeah, the, the '79 Camaro. So, nice. Yeah. I uh, now you've made this note a couple times, and I find it interesting. I'm just thinking about it as you're doing it because I didn't really know that much about this much about Phil. This improvisation lyrically that he does, it's very like jazz like, isn't it? Like the scatting thing, like just filling. Like he has a beat. He it sounds like. He has a beat he wants, and he has sort of like a hook yeah. he wants. He just yeah. sort of fills it in. Yeah, it's exactly what he does. Kind of how the Wilburys did their music. The Wilburys built their albums very similarly. Uh, right. Short amount of time, not a lot of time in the studio. Prep, do some prep work, and then kind of go in there with it. Um, he definitely did a lot of of that for sure. And with Genesis, they did that too. Uh, right. Invisible okay. Touch was entirely built on that same concept too. Yeah. So, um, so he has like a hook in mind that's like, I want this hook. And then everything else just sort of like falls in around that. But, it, yeah, you know, right. And, and, you know, it's interesting because sometimes the lyrics are, are, are quirky. Like this is a very quick, like, don't lose my number. This is not the greatest lyrics in the world. Right. But it's kind of work. And then, you know, there's other songs that have like uh, we're going to talk about Take Me Home and um, oh yeah, which have great lyrics, long, long way to go. I mean, where he can really pull out some really good lyrics. So. Um, you know, again, it's just kind of how, how it's, I guess, how it works. So we're going to move on to track two here is Who Said I Would. That's not one of those I songs with the four or five words mm. in it. Yeah. All right. That, that, see, now we talked about learning about, I've learned that from you now. I'm going to look for that. That's crazy. I never, go to, go I never to, knew that. And it, it, after this album, he didn't do it as much. But if you go to the uh, first two albums, especially Hello and Must Be Gone, you'll see that, right? 
That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So what are you, what are your thoughts on this on this uh, track? Mine might be totally opposite. All right. This is another one of those personal songs. He's singing this to someone else and what he describes as a woman saying to him, right? Uh, it is an absolute classic in the Phil Collins portfolio if you're really? a Phil Collins fan. Okay. Right. When Phil this is a when Phil Collins did his live album in nineteen ninety one, this was released as a single on the live album. Um, okay. Now I got to talk about the live thing because this song's done. You should watch a live version of this song. So you All know right. how like Bruce Springsteen in um out on the not on the uh, tenth Avenue freeze out. He kind yes. of like goes and like calls out the other members of the band to kind of yeah yeah yeah. Well, Phil does a little different here. So at the end of the song when he's singing I, "Who Said I Would," he, he turns. They kind of do this little like quirky thing on stage. He turns like Daryl Strummer and he says, "Who said I would?" And Daryl says, "No, not me." And he points to uh, Leland Scott. Leland Scott was like, right. so "Phil, go, who said I would?" And then he, uh, he goes, "No, point to Chester Thompson on the drums." Right. So it's a very fun song. Okay. That's done live, and I think that's why it's been very popular because that little routine was always pretty good. Um. It's about Phil getting jerked around by his girlfriend, right, or his wife, or whatever, right? This is Phil. We all related to that. As, as like as somebody, like like okay, okay, I'm getting jerked around here. Um, and there's two bridges in this song. Um, uh, the second bridge has this like disco go. It's like this disco beat, right? Um, to it, right, which is pretty cool with that. Now, here's what I take this song as. This is like Earth when the, you have the Phoenix horns in here. The horns are incredible. Mm -hmm. This is like. The Phoenix Horns meeting, going to the Los Angeles Troubadour, and playing. All right, okay, yeah. That's what you have a fusion of this in there, um, which I. That's why I think this is a popular song with me, not just me, but a lot of Phil fans, um, and it's again, track seven. I think it's perfect place for it. You, you want to argue? You could put it in another place, but I think seven, I have no problem with it. So the album construction, there's only I'll get to one song. I think that was they missed with it, but that's it. So I love that Coop did all that. I, I read these notes. <laughs> I hope I, you're gonna you're just gonna kill it now. Watch that. I I read these notes and I'm like I'm missing something. So I listened to it again, and I'm like, yeah, nah. I I uh, my first note is I have to admit this song does nothing. It for does me. Oh, What? <laughs> um, That's the one I got to disagree with you on with the. <laughs> no, it was, which is great, and I think this is that divide, right? So like, you. Like grew up on this song. Listen to I'm I'm like just listening to it for the first time in like you know thirty years like now because I didn't have this record. I just had the hits, and so I'm just listening to this song cold. And I'm like, um, so it feels like to me Phil's experimenting a lot with the production. Uh, I for me it's just it's too compressed. He messes with the vocal, which is like my best my favorite part of the record because he has some like effects on there that really. It's just not for me. This is track. This isn't for me. It's not for me. But I love what you got about it because because I'm sure like everybody listening to this right now is like Dave, you're insane, and 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 has what like all the back all the depth that you have, and I got nothing. I got and nothing. This, when I heard No Jacket Required, this was the one I was hoping they would. Like, well, the first time I, and I what, what we'd always do this gang of five of us, and we like music. We said what would be the singles released, right? And we actually predicted. Uh, four of the we had five, and they actually only released four, but we had all four. Yes, but I had this one as one. All right, you as being a release. I'm like, this has got to be. Re they eventually did on the live album. This was like, I mean, I just there's lyrics in here that are like, 
when he goes on, uh, and, and they're not deep lyrics because, but she's got a heart that must be made of stone because I'll tell her that she'll miss me when I'm gone. I'm like, I love that. I was relating to that stuff. Like, yeah, screw you. You're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> wait, wait till I'm gone, right? Uh, you know, he writes the song, uh, I'm not the only one, but I'll do fine. I'll suit her purpose, but I'm just her kind. When he performs this again, I, maybe the live version had a lot of influence with me on this. When he's performing this on stage, he's got this finger wagging like he's doing, right? Like, yeah, I'll show you, right? Um, I, but even before, I'll listen to it live. live. Yeah, go. go I to haven't heard live it live. Version. Yeah, I'll listen. I'll listen to it live. Go but to the me, 1990 yeah. version of it. Is what I was 1990? saying. 1990. Yeah. Okay, around I'll that to it point, live. around near that point. Yeah, I'll listen to it live. For you, Coop, because you're a gentleman and a scholar, and I will do that for I'm, you. I, yeah, I'm like, look, you're look. This one was the one I say I was like, completely. What what is he on? But again, uh, I'll tell you the lyrics. We all <laughs> connected with these lyrics. Like, well, here's here's the thing for me coming at it fresh, right? Yeah. Um, is that I think sometimes on this album, and I, I I'd have to look, I'd have to listen to more of his other stuff to yeah. comment if this is a like a theme, but. I think sometimes the the production gets in the way of the lyrics for me, which is like the production is so over the top in some of the stuff that I just I can't it's it's just I can't get there like it's a barrier for me. Yeah, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like when you look when you look at Tom York's stuff, like he's just so overproduced and there's so much like weirdo computer stuff going on. It's like I don't even know what you're saying. Yeah, like I can't get to it. It's inaccessible. So. I think for this track, lyrically, it might be amazing, but the production just it maybe live I can get more of it because maybe live he has to like tone it down. Yeah. Um, I don't know live, but I'll listen to it live. And maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll like it a lot more. I'm live curious to see, but but again, I think you know, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think of that, and I, I think you know, watch kind of how they. More than anything, I think that song had a little more three dimensional effect on stage when he was performing that. Yeah, maybe I'll 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 listen to it live. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll can report back on the next show. I'll report back. Yeah, okay. Next period. Uh, doesn't anyone stay together anymore? I found Whoa. this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, love the intro. I put love that intro. This this is going somewhere. So I'm writing these in like real time as I'm listening to it. Right. I went. Wow, we went from a wall of sound compression to a very restrained. Phil anyway arrangement yeah so he does which is really interesting because a lot of these songs are kind of one note it's sort of like this is a pop song and like bang this is a ballad bang this he's one not, has a lot of Brian Wilson. he's not doing Brian Wilson here I agree yeah no but he's doing a lot of variation in this yeah. song it's like it's like wall of sound and then like really paired back and then so there's there's it's interesting so interesting lyrically because he had one divorce by then We'll go on to have a few more, which is interesting. He's like, doesn't anyone stay together anyway? Well, no, Phil, if they don't. Not obviously. you. <laughs> and um, I like it, though. It's a good groove. I like the song a lot. I found the I found the title and the lyrics and everything funny because of, like, what's going to happen in his life after. But, yeah, it, it's good. It's a good groove. I like the song. I like it. Yeah, uh, this is a great song. And this is some no one's played in concert a lot. It's it's powerful. It's more relationship commentary. This one he's singing uh to his other, um, and whether he's singing it to his current wife or his ex wife, it's a little hard to tell sometimes. Um, his but here's the thing that, that he has that signature drum opening in here, right? Yes. But yep. this is a Phil Collins song where it does build up, 
Like Phil yeah, doesn't have yeah. a lot of that build up type. This is one that builds up to the chorus here. No, that's um, a good point. A lot of his songs, they start high energy and they just sort of like keep it there. Right. It's, that's a good point. Or it's low yeah. energy and stays low. But yeah, this one yes. is it builds yep. up to a crescendo here, which I yep. really, really like. Um, Dave, your your comment about Phil and the divorces is <laughs> spot so... on here. Uh, now, now the interesting Phil had already remarried by the point this was laid That's down. He, crazy. he just remarried uh, Jill. He remarried to Jill, and he and he said he made a comment. He goes, you know, I was really happily married to Jill, my present wife. But when I wrote this, I had been divorced. My manager was oh, getting yeah. divorced. A couple of my good friends were getting divorced. And I thought, what's going on? Doesn't anyone stay together anymore? And the song came from that. Um, yeah, well, you know what? They're not Phil because you're gonna have a couple more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love this bit here. I didn't know this. This uh, other note you had. This is new. This was something I learned from just kind of prepping for the show. So Collins uh, sang this at Prince Charles's 40th birthday party. <laughs> in this is like a 1988, 89, right? And he sings this, and it was really after that when the whole whole thing where Prince Prince would have this estrangement from Diana. And get divorced, and he did not know about any of this. Right? Oh man! Uh, he, you know, so he, 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 like, he sang this there. <laughs> I gotta find the cut of him singing this at Prince Charles's. I would love to see or King Charles. Do you think Charles? Do you think Charles is listening to the song? He's like, you know, you know that uh, gives me an idea. No, he's not wrong here. You know, uh, I gotta get rid of that Diane. I shouldn't, say, but uh, oh man, you know, Prince Charles. I, say what you want. He had cool taste in music. I didn't Diana know had that. cooler taste. Prince Charles liked. I mean, he, the Prince's trusting was all him. Yeah. Um. You know, and there's a whole, you know, in excess performed for them once. It's, it's Prince Charles didn't have bad taste in me, but yeah, I could see. Oh man, I, I it, Charles must have had the wheels God. turning on this one there. Man. Uh, and yeah. and uh, and yeah, and you have a note on album position here with this middle track. of the second track. Uh, I think again, the first eight are laid out perfect right now. Uh, this is. You know, you don't have he doesn't really have a doom and gloom thing coming into uh, again after this. Like long way to go was was like that doom and gloom. But now after this, uh, this was but this had a darkness, this track, too. I mean, again, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it was up tempo. It built up to up tempo, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of the, again, underrated gems of this album. Um, Inside Out, <laughs> this is another. uh disagreement track so we'll have coop start first yeah all right um this is another when we were doing the five tracks we thought that were gonna come out on the album i didn't have this one on there okay but the other four guys did inside out was a immediate favorite of these guys it was a favorite of phil collins ones um it's a it's a personal song he's singing to again his ex-lover whatever you want to call it what was but this song built a following really fast um and in fact right. it charted it did chart but it was never released as a single but it charted okay on the oh that's interesting. um yeah. i i love this song's a little different in that it slows down it starts yes, out with okay. a little bit more of a thundering pace this goes the opposite way um which uh it slows down and then you have that horn bridge that soft horn bridge right which the and i think it it, it almost and then it picks back up again so yeah. I, I liked it. Um, I think this was a really good track. Um, again, I kind of liked it was a, I think there's a harder, there's a harsh message in this song, mm. you know, with it. This is the one I wasn't sure if it fit here or not, but I think it was. Oh, okay. I, this is the one track, but 
I don't know where else I would have put it either. So mm, yeah, I'm okay with it. But you know, maybe now that I'm thinking about it that this song had the down. The, it kind of goes down, builds down. Maybe that's yeah. why they put it here. But, yeah, uh, would you move but it yeah. up because you can't. Yeah, you can't yeah. make it last. But the drums are fantastic. His drums are. are yeah. like, he has that cracking, that thundering drums on here, which I just, which I love. And then kind of goes to that horn bridge. I, I, I think it's a brilliant song. I think it's a, a good, a very good song. But now, Dave, you don't this... think you don't think this though. That <laughs> now, now, like that's why I love for the Phil Collins fans, man. Will's here for you, man. I might I, put uh... this tense. I, I'll be honest. I might still put this tense on my of the eleven. Okay, All but right. it's still a great song. But it's I mean, still, I yeah. yeah, yeah. I, my, I have two notes for this song. Uh. My first one is not a ton musically going on for me here. I do like though how he uses an actual keyboard. So yes, this a, song what I what I like is that we we got away from the electro stuff a little bit or that electro sound. He's probably still on a synth, but on like a keyboard setting or something. Um, like the actual keyboard. Love the vocal. Vocal is extremely catchy for me on this song. Love the vocal. Just musically, it's just not hooking me. Unlike the next song that we'll talk about, but yeah. it's just not hooking me. This song, I'll listen. I'll try. I'll I'll give it another listen. Um, because you're pointing out a lot of great things musically that I just wasn't connecting with. So I'll I'll keep those things in mind. I'll give it another go. Yeah, but give it, it another go. Not... I'm not gonna say it's gonna be a favorite, but I I was a little surprised no. that you said there was nothing because I I I really liked how he bridged into the horns there with, with that those soft horns. It wasn't those like phoenix horns. Yeah. Uh, just kind of, it's kind of, you yeah. Know. So I'll give it another go, but like it's just on, just on that list, on that initial list, that it just wasn't, wasn't hitting me. But you, the vocal is catchy. You make a point of that. <sighs> Love that. And that's why a lot of the guys thought this was going to be a single. And I think that's why it did, it did chart, but it wasn't really a single. Because again, this one, it had a following in this song. People liked this. Very people catchy. It. Yeah. Uh, now we got we got clear out. Because this is another one I love, but I'll let Coop. Th this song I find Coop extraordinarily interesting, like yeah. a number of levels. Um, so I'll let you. I'll let you go because you got a lot of amazing stuff here. Yeah. So we talked about this on last last tracks. Now there's things I didn't talk about on last tracks because it was we would just went on forever. Um, because I think we I was more as I was trying to say, people can look at this. It was the last track on the LP, but it wasn't the last track on the CD. Yes. Um. Now, what's in it? This song's driven all from the drum machine and synthesizer. This song. This is this that's, is what. Yeah. This, think about it. It's all driven from that. That's the core. That's the core of that whole song. Now, this is the part I didn't cover. Now, it has this vibe. You know, if you mm. watch the video, "Take Me Home," "Coming Home," for a long trip, long uh, thing. Maybe been gone for many years, but there's a darker meaning with this. And what this was actually written is, and if you really go listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics to this, you'll get it. It's actually referring to, he's actually singing about being a patient in a mental institution, uh, i.e. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yep, yep, yep. Trying to go home. What, like, is it like one of the lyrics about being in prison or something? And Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I've been a prisoner all my life. You know, yes, and, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and when you, it's a darker, it brings a darker interpretation to the song. When you look at it now, what's really good about this is the background vocals of 
Sting, Peter Gabriel, and a, a third person by the name Helen Terry. They don't they don't really sing chorus vocals. They kind of have more of a chorus type. They do a lot of ah, you know, mm. they do a lot of that stuff. And when you look at the meaning of the song, it's like it real it almost has a mantra to it. Um, and again, it kind of fits into there's a little bit more of a darker thing of this. This is mm. why I said the video ruined the song. Because everyone oh, okay. watched yeah, that yeah, video, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a yeah, great yeah. video in terms of all around the world, Phil singing from all these places in the world. But when but you not, get into the yeah. lyrics of this song, mm. and I should have mentioned this on the last show, I kind of forgot about it because the song is so good. Um, oh. But the, again, it, if you it does take away from this song is a much darker song than you look at, but it was a huge hit. Uh, it was you could definitely argue it as a track that's worthy of being a final track. Um, I just love when you if you could pick apart the Sting and Peter Gabriel background vocals, mm, that'd be it, interesting. It, it's yeah, yeah, it's really cool because you could, it's hard to pick out them, but you could pick them out if you you get listen to it with some really good uh, speakers and stuff. Yeah, it's, maybe I if you go seen, to one of those, yeah, search online, maybe find where the vocals isolated. You might yeah. be able to pick it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean those those background vocals are incredible. Um, and we all knew that we all felt that this was going to be one of the singles I remember released and it did get, it was the fourth single release. So it came out in early 86, this one, it was the last single they released of it. Uh, and it just, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't disappoint at all. This song, it's a, it's a great song. I think for me, this, uh, this, like, I love this song. Yeah. I think for me, it's against all odds, which I adore. Like I, that's probably my favorite Phil song. I love that song. What a great and song! And this song, this song, I love this song. Yeah. Uh, and I put, I can't add anything. Coop's covered everything, extremely well. I just wrote this song is incredible and the height of his high treble neon Sith cocaine pop, but with some darkness. I love the. I think what I found in doing this and why I love doing this album, I have so much energy from for this album archaeology, even though I hated like three of the songs. But that's okay. I mean, you. <laughs> There's nothing I, wrong with what, hating three of the songs, by the way. It's what, part of what we're doing here, yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm but sure. what I, I think I've hated I, some songs on some albums, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what I love about it is that there's this whole darkness to this record that before I did this, like, I, I never would have associated with it. Right? So, I think... So, Phil's doing a lot more on this record than I originally thought. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more going on under the hood than I think it gets credit for. So, I just said... The opening note has me hooked. Just pure cocaine. This is a song. The, the like drum, just the, the sense, yeah, opening the, the, note. And I'm like in. It, it's just. Which I think. I mean, I know he gets this label of like corporate rock. But I think what, what he does well on these banger songs is like you're in from note one. Like as soon as the song starts, you are in. And he does this. He can do that extremely well is like just like hook you in so early in a song in these hits that I, I adore it. I adore the song. It's a great last track. I mean if you let's I mean let's look at let's look at these records, right? So or these sides. You start off side A, right? As I get my notes going right. crazy. So, so studio kicks off side A. You end side A with 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 uh, one more night, which is yep. like an amazing yep. bookend. And then you bookend the second side with "Don't Lose My Number," and "Take Me Home." Like his bookends on these on this record is just Bro crazy. Totally brilliant. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Best song on the album. 
I would have to for me. Yeah. It's close though, because the studio is such a banger. But I, I have um, this as the best. I have this as the best. I would have album. to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have this uh, with the previous. Uh, with with uh, doesn't anybody stay together anymore? Probably my second favorite on it. It's just such so much more of a realized song, right? Because I yeah. mean, yeah, musically it's great. Lyrically, it has some great depth to it. Like it's more of a realized song. It's very yeah. good. Yeah, it, it is just, uh, you know, it's a song he's played in concert towards as usually his closer. Uh, it's a good closing track because of the way the song ends. Oh, just uh, that lyric. Like you said, like just how he sings, I've been a prisoner all my life. Like yeah. it's just such a great lyric. It's so it, good. It, it, it's, it's so good. Like I said, it, it, there's a darker part of this song, but there's there's, a, there's optimism too. It's just like, it's, yeah. it's this, he's a prisoner. And then it's just like this, 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 it's this freedom of escape. Like even if the escape is not like, it's just through his mind or whatever. Yeah. It's this escape. Oh, it's just so good. It's great. To me, uh, uh, you know, there's even, you know, even early in the song is like when he says there's a fire that's been burning right outside my door. Yes. Um, I can see it. I can feel, but it helps to keep me warm. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, so good. Like I said, the, I think the video made a completely different interpretation of what people had this song about, what what it was really about, and I just, I just felt lyrically this was a great song. Uh, this this is not about love stories or breakups or anything. No. This is just, it's almost like a a, a kind of a psychological, yes, like, an analysis here, which is a great. Like I said, the, the music is great. It's yes, it's it's very synth synthesizer driven. Yeah, drum machine driven, but it's great. But it, the vocal's so good. It's the so vocal's good. so good. The lyrics are so good. Yeah, to me, uh, and and like I said, bringing in the, the three background vocalists, uh, to me, oh, and great, great two idea. of them are like Sting and Peter Gabriel. I mean, oh, these are these yeah, are those good. are bangers you're bringing in for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not. You're. Uh... You're not shooting low. Yeah. Um, now we go to this this seat. Now the reason I want to add this too is Coop has some wonderful thoughts on this. So, um, so we're done with the LP. Now this is the added track. This is we said hello goodbye. Yeah. Um. So why don't you take us through that? Okay. So this is when we did the last track show last time. I said I mentioned both "Take Me Home" and "We Said Hello Goodbye." I think they were both worthy. Uh, worthy final tracks. This one was added to the CD. Um, this they did a lot of this at the time because they couldn't fit stuff on the LP. Like so, yeah. I think the problem and Take Me Home was a longer track too on the LP. So what happens is things end up going to B sides, but they said, "Hey, let's." Of course, I ended up buying this album again because of this. Of course, song. you did. I, of on CD, of right? Because I wanted this song. I had the LP, and I had to buy now the. the and then they remaster it. You buy that, right? Right. <laughs> um. But I still think this is a totally worthy like they and they put this on as the eleventh track. Um uh, again, I'm not counting okay. the deluxe edition stuff. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. very personal track. This talks about like closing one door and opening another. Like it's moving it's the theme is moving on, going to the next uh phase of, of your life. Um in a lot of ways, this would reflect Phil Collins himself. Because this album for a long time would mark the end. Of the Phil Collins breakup music, because it would change with Bud seriously for sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, and it would definitely change. And if both sides brought a little bit back, but not much. But but yeah, the next album was was very different. So this was this was kind of I thought appropriate because it was closing out this Phil Collins anger divorce stuff, uh, being the focal point here. 
and there's a haunting element to this song as well as optimism, which kind of fits to the whole concept of the album. Yeah. No, I, uh, my notes are, I put, wow, way different than the rest of the record. Piano. It's Um, it's piano driven. This one. It's this amazing string arrangement as well. And it's just like, I put more of this, please. So like, I think what the thing I was, I think that one of the things, and I'm realizing it as we went through, I think one of the things I was craving a lot more on the record was more like actual instruments. And I think Radiohead does this where they get like the section of Radiohead where they get way into like electronic computer generated stuff. Yeah. And they get away from like actual guitars and stuff. Um, and so it's great to just to hear like these arrangements and musically what the song is doing. Yeah. Uh, and I love the vocal. The vocal's so good. Yep. And I love it. It's a, yep. it's a great song. But it is like, it's like a, another world than the record for me. Yeah. Like this song, it's like totally different. What should be the closing track? Take oh, me I home. Think take, one. I think. I think. Take me home. I go back Just and forth. On the, this one. I go back and forth on this one. It's hard because the, the said hello goodbye is so different that I don't yeah. know if it would be a shock or I don't know. In the end, I was happy where they put it on the CD. Because you you preserve the LP order. Yes. Yep. So yeah. that's kind of I, I can live with where they put it. But there are times I go back and and like take me home. That's the Phil Collins closer song. Uh, yeah. You know, and to me, um, you know, so I go back. But this does have this thing of like closing a door and opening another. And I'll kind of when we get to my closing yep. thoughts, I'll talk more yep. about that. Yeah. But let's get to closing thoughts, then, Coop. What are your? I mean, you, you yeah. What are your thoughts on this record? Yeah. A very uh, personal influential record for you. Yeah. So you kind of put some things earlier on about like the grunge thing coming in 88. I contend this since pop thing died sooner. It was just yeah. like grunge would be one of the things to take it. by 87. Okay. You had Springsteen, Mellencamp, Hornsby. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. It, totally yeah. different sound. And then you'd have, I didn't mention Guns N' Roses, Death Leopard. Yes. You, you will move this thing, this synth thing, it, this was the last hurrah, in my opinion, for it. Well, Guns N' Roses especially, yeah. Yeah, I think this was the end of the since. This really was the cl- – I mean, there was not another banger since pop album like this really after this ever. No, so, no. So well, it, I mean, yeah. 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 And I think that's why this – like we talked about this. This is why the album got dated for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Because there was there was a movement towards a more natural sound. And there's a lot of yeah. synthesizer and drum machine on this. And, and you mentioned the, the high trouble and all. I, I get it, right? Um, yeah. I mean – just really quickly, like what you're saying is a very interesting point. Like your Springsteen, Mellencamp, Hornsby, they're very kind of throwback records, really, aren't they? Yeah. Like throwbacks I mean, to like 60s sort of like uh, like, like singer-songwriter rock sort of thing, yeah. like country rock kind of. Yeah. yeah. And I'm talking specific things here. I'm talking when Springsteen went and did Tunnel of Love. I'm yes, talking yes, Mellencamp yes. did uh, Scarecrow. And I'm talking when Hornsby Scarecrow, did The Way It Is. Yeah. I mean, th- those are the ones I'm talking about. That not like those... you compare Scarecrow to this, it's like two other worlds, like two right. other planets. Yeah, you know? and Scarecrow came out later that year. Scarecrow came out like the end of eight, and Scarecrow's an. Um, we want to talk about another album, Archaeology, to do. That yeah. is a one of the great albums of all time. Um, Scarecrow. It's John Cougar, Mel- or John Mellencamp. He was John Cougar Mellencamp. On Cougar album, at that point, yeah. He was still using the Cougar name. That was the last album he used the Cougar. So the music landscape really changed a lot. And then, then grunge yes. comes in, like you said, and grunge brings this whole other element in. Yeah. But yeah, this was it. I mean, this was a, and, and Phil would go on to do invisible touch with Genesis, but he Usually, would combine yeah. some progressive elements in with that. Right. So mm-hmm. it was, 
they would do songs like um um Dom- Domino was a good song they did, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. you know, so they they were that was still going back to some of their progressive roots with that. Um so but but he would go on and have that would be the big he'd have his biggest success with Invisible Touch uh yeah. with that. Um, but I think that yes. kept the progressive fans happy. But after this is the thing that was really interesting. After Invisible Touch, Phil knew he was getting overexposed. He's he said it. He said oh, I'm taking okay. some time off. And that's when he went and did um he did acting. That's when he did the Buster movie, which is about the um mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. uh the train robberies in Europe in, in England. Good movie, controversial movie, by the way. Um, because some of the things that violence in there. Mm-hmm. Um and then he comes back with, but seriously, in the, the end of nineteen eighty nine, and it's a completely different. It's a yeah. completely different. Um, where he's singing about apartheid. Um, yeah, he's singing about homeless, more about homelessness. Um, just very. Uh, he has this gospel track called "I Wish It Would Rain Down." Very. I mean, so he changed his style, and I think he was able to kind of speak, even with the like you said. He knew he couldn't do no jacket required. He saw what was happening. Oh, it's gone. He did yeah. have some very good success with but seriously, but that was the beginning of the end after that. Yeah. Uh then he goes to both sides, which was uh, both sides dancing to the light yes. fire disasters after that for him. Yes, yes, yes. Uh which were bad like bad albums, okay? Um, but he, he did try to kind of hold off that. But where I sum this up again is Phil's a quirky guy. The album has a lot of quirkiness. It has some of the good, uh, great lyrics in here. There's some interesting music. And like I said, I'll take the personal connection out. But to me, I- I've never gotten tired of this album in 38 years. So it's it's it's, it's always something on my playlist at some point. Is I'm listening to it. You know, if it comes on, if I'm listening to a radio and it comes on, I don't change the channel. So Oh, no. Or the station. Uh, so, yeah. So I guess mine, his vocal's amazing. And hits me, and it's amazing throughout. Uh, I know it's a divisive vocal, but it works for me. Like some people don't like it, I love it. I do um, too. I do too. I think okay. So the album has highs and lows for me. I can see the corporate rock stigma with some of the like really overproduced songs on this record, but I think that this record is is like deserves another listen. I think it's I think it's too. I think the the hate for it is is like not uh, realistic, because um, I think the the thing about it, Coop, is like you can only go down from here. Because I think a lot of these pop tracks are like you can't top them. Like I mean, they're just like the apex of pop. Like you cannot top the 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 hits on this song. Like you can't do better. I don't think um, that like synth pop wise, and so. And so I think this is much maligned because I and I think I think it's I don't think it's justified because the hits on it are so good and yeah. and I think to lump it all in the one thing is like corporate rock quote unquote like isn't fair and so I think looking at it now like kind of getting away from that whole vibe you can appreciate it a lot more cuz these songs are like timeless like the the hits on here are timeless like they yeah. played great then they play great now um it's a great record. No, it's a great record. I, I think a lot of the overproduction you talk about that happened with this album was we were in the onset of CD. Yes. And I you think that was I yeah. think that was feeding into that. 
like, hey, let's we, we have this new medium that's coming out. It's, it was revolutionary in terms of how we were listening to music. We were hearing sounds we hadn't heard before. And I think that contributed to a lot of the uh, the overproduction. If I go no, back to 80, yeah. yeah. But if I think I, people should give it another listen, though. I, I think you should. If you haven't given it a listen or have given it another, give it another listen and see. What, and I want some feedback. A lot of people were very excited that we were doing this, by the way. Oh, I'm as, I was excited. There was a lot of good feedback on it. People were very interested in it. You know, 85 was a really big year. I had five banger albums this year. I'm kind of curious to see which one you would rank Ooh. as the best of the five. So there was, Prince, there was Princes Around the World in a Day. Mm. Phil Collins' is No Jacket Required. Mm. Sting's Dream of the Blue Turtles. Mm. Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair. And Ooh. Dire Straits is uh, Brothers in Arms. Brothers in Arms? I got to go Brothers in Arms. I love Brothers in Interesting. Arms. Yeah, it's very good. I, I, had, I, mean, I had Dream of the Blue Turtles. At the time. Yeah, I had Dream of the Blue Turtles. Yeah, at the time it wouldn't have been, but I think yeah. for me it is. Around the World Today was a great album by Prince. Oh, it doesn't yeah. get it's probably his most underrated album, but people didn't like it because it wasn't Purple Rain. It was yeah, well was that's a little, yeah. yeah, it was a little more funky. Uh, but I would probably put Dream of the Blue as the best album because of the whole jazz thing that Sting brought in that year with this song and songs of a big chair at the next level. But these were those were five really good albums that year for mm, me. That oh, was definitely. a big year in music because I loved all five of those albums. So, final thoughts. How uh, on our cigars? How's your cigar? Uh great. This is a great cigar. This was a former top twenty cigar for me. Uh very earthy cigar. It's got a little bit of a, you know, as this ages, it had it when you get this a little younger. It's a little more of a fruit note that kind of dies out of it. But a very earthy cigar. Uh nice amount of spice. Very well balanced. Just pleasant to smoke. Um, it's called Alma de Fuego for fire, but the pepper isn't really going to overwhelm you. But you're going to get some of that okay. pepper in there. A little bit. There's a slight mineral component to it. It's it's an excellent cigar. It's my favorite of the Alma series. So uh, this is the Concepcion, the Toro size I'm smoking. My, I, I think, now having this, I think I love this cigar. I think the Toro is going to be the size for me in this cigar. Because I think the ratio of the wrapper to the filler, you get a lot more wrapper on this. And I love, I just love the, it's a lot creamier. I love this, this size. This yeah. Toro, I think, is going to be... My thing, yeah. The postanya, it's smoked really well. It's great. I I can I see hope that. They release it. I like I so I like that size. Okay, so I'm gonna give you my thoughts on that cigar right now. I liked it, but I didn't think it was as good as the Intemperate TC. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, well, that, yeah. that's what I'm just. But I think it was a. But it's different. It's a different cigar. It's exactly what Postani needed. Um. I think it would be do well, but again, I would probably still give the. I think the Intemperate EC is a better Connecticut that came out of there. It's just my yeah. opinion. But this is maybe cigar. he could go. Yeah. Maybe he could go a bigger ring gauge on it, even. But yeah, I'd like to see uh, a torpedo but, with that. I'd like to really see him do a torpedo with that or perfect. I think he's gonna because he's done torpedoes in the other ones. Yeah, I think they needed. Like we've talked about this, how we predicted it. We, they needed a Connecticut. Well, he needed a Connecticut. Yep, yeah. Yep. And uh, like right that after the good. show, it appears. Skip, skip, puts the cat out of it. Skip, I asked. Wait, wait. I asked Skip point blank if he heard our. He said honestly, I didn't hear the show, Coop. I'm like, I'm not lying to you. And I, I believe him point blank at oh, that. So you're just uh, a prophet. You're prophet, Coop. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I mean, literally, he would have had to listen to it the night before. But so I, I did believe him on that. But I said, you know, it just made sense to us. I asked Skip down when I was in Nicaragua on that, on it. Uh, Speaking and, of uh, yeah. Mike and Pastania, we're on the new music forty five here, Coop. Yep. Yeah, um, and I got a little commentary too uh, here. But first, let's mention uh, Scar Hustler located in Deltona, Florida. 
great selection of uh, boutique tried and true brands. Uh, something for everybody in that humidor. A great shop, great staff, uh, great lounge to smoke in. Uh, if, uh, you know, they have their own brand, Postani, we just talked about, as well as other brands now under that umbrella. Um, some of the limited stuff they're doing, fun stuff. Uh, if you can't get to Scar Hustler, you want to get on their email list and on their social media because they announce uh, they announce these um, – they, when they get cigars in, they announce mm-hmm. them on there. Um, so definitely get that. Now, you know, with the Postani, I think they've done a great job at um, taking care of their retailers. They give, yeah, it to yeah, the retail- yeah. they give it to other retailers before they put it in their shop. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a that's a, and they they went and did that event at Hogshead Cigar Lounge on on Friday, yesterday, mm-hmm. which we recorded this on Saturday. And now I thought they were doing a live show, and I may have misinterpreted that. I think they may have recorded a show. Oh, okay. But, but what I gotta say is that team did a great job at promoting that event. They kept mm. that. They were talking about their their travels. They didn't just talk about, "Hey, I'm going on a plane. Look, I'm taking an airport selfie." They 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 yeah. talked about going to the airport on the airport when they got there. They did stuff from the event. They did a great they they did a great job with that. Uh, I hope they did record a show there because I want to hear it. But they did a great job on that. Um, I know I picked on them on a few things, but that was that's a really <laughs> good job they did on that. And I wanted to give them some props. So it, maybe I'll see if they listen to this or not. If not, I'll have to I'll have to guide them to it again. Nice. Yeah. So I got side A Shaggy featuring Patrice Roberts, oh, wine and jumping. Great job, big pick. Oh, I love the beat here. The energy on the song is, is off the chart. Yeah. Um, whole record is very club, less reggae. Less uh, great reggae. energy on the whole record. Right yeah, again, then some EDM comes in there. You're right. It's a, yeah. it's a, uh, again, I think, like I said, I, I like that Shaggy is doing these types of things, uh, yeah. rather than do bombastic again 25 years later. That's right. Uh, is it, is uh, it look, bombastic's great, but this is, this right, is, you gotta move this is on, still yeah. stuff you'll enjoy. This is still stuff you can enjoy. Side B, Janelle Monet puts out another track. Now, this, Lipstick Lover, uh, this is a single off of her upcoming record, The Age of Pleasure, which I am super excited for. <laughs> Um, she's channeling her inner, her inner Prince on this record, and she's done stuff with Prince prior. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be a big record. I think it's going to be it's a big record. Great, I've heard it. You're right. Yes. I agree. Big record, I think, yeah. this one. Album Archaeology, Dolly Parton. I was wondering when we were going to get Dolly, actually, with Phil. She didn't do anything with Phil, unfortunately. They're <laughs> yeah. on a record together, but not on the same song. Right, right. Um, Album Archaeology, Dolly Parton, the Dumplin' soundtrack. This came out in 2018. Uh, and the reason I had this is that if you're waiting for the massive rock star album to drop, she does duets here with Alison Krauss, Sia, other people. So it might give you a bit of a hint as to how the, some of the duets might go on uh, the new record. So yep. check it out. It's a great record. Um, the Dumplin' soundtrack. Yep. If if there was one song on No Jacket Required that you'd want Dolly to cover, what would it be? Um, Not Take Me Home, because I think... That's just too good. I would oh I would have to say it's it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird. Maybe maybe one more night? Maybe. Maybe. I thought, I thought about it. I it's the studio. Oh. I kinda would like to see it. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking about. But I had one more night on there too. Because I think she could bring the fe- I think she could bring the female perspective to that song. Yeah, yeah. It just and I think like slowed down, 
might be interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I was thinking, like, I kind of think he could pull off a country version of Susudio. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I was wondering about that, yeah. Yep, so well, that's all I got, Coop. Great album archaeology. I'd be interested great. to hear what people think about it. Yeah, let me know what you guys. I know a lot of people were anxious for this. Um, and like I said, as far as the winners go, uh, we I'll be notifying them the, the day after the show airs. So, uh, but if you catch it beforehand, just just message me on Twitter, and I'll make arrangements for you. Uh, it's got to go in order of the first, second, and third prize. Uh, and we'll go from there. So, um, that's gonna do it, Dave. Uh. Again, folks, stay tuned for our next show. We'll announce what that's going to be and when it's going to air. So you want to check that out. Um, but that's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 98 into the Annals of History for this late May 2023 edition. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next time.